Brain Buster Boys are brought to you by Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. There we go. Um, is this 47 or 48? <laughs> I think it's 48, right? Oh, Lord, I, I have no idea. Hang on. <laughs> it's why do I keep going up all this crazy stuff? After we fucking were bulldozing through mid-November, it's been like a complete lull, which is, oh, what, yeah. we need, which is what we needed, no doubt. But yeah, yeah. I can't even fucking remember. I think this is 48. 47. This is 47? This is 47. Jingle Bells Bonanza is 46. God damn. So yeah. 45 was Houndmouth, 44 was the anniversary. Correct, Mendo. Ready? Let's do it. All right. Welcome to the Brain Buster Boys, episode 47. My name is Brett Jagger, along with Beaumont Rand. Hey, hey, happy new year. Hey. Hey, happy new year to all. Happy new year to you. How uh how were your holidays and new year there, brother? You know, like they were uh well, like this is, you know, last year we kind of, you know, during the beginning of the pandemic, if you will, we didn't really uh meet up with uh, mm. you know, didn't do whole family stuff and this was the first year back to that. Uh which was good. Uh and then kind of the Omicron scare just happened after that and I was like, yeah. "Holy shit." And then that kind of, you know, didn't really do anything for New Year's, but you know what? I was pretty cool with that. Um, I'm in Lexington, Kentucky right now. So this is kind of like my last holiday thing I'm doing. I'm Hell seeing yeah. my friends, Krista and Graham that I have not seen in four years. And their one-year-old daughter, Poppy. And their Poppy. dog, Molly. Poppy. Poppy how was that spelled? P-O-P-P-Y. Wow. How about that? Love yeah. it. Love it. Well, good stuff. Yeah. Same. You how about know, yours? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, low key. Um, you know, obviously we'd had some family stuff going on earlier this year, so it was good, you know, get to get together. Very, you know, we had a very small group, uh, but that was good. Yeah. Similarly with New Year's, you know, didn't really do much, just kind of hung out with a few friends, um, you know, did some mild partying the night before with a few people just again at a at someone's place, low key, few people. Cause again, like you said, Omicron's fucking wild. Yeah. It happened you know, right after Christmas. Like I think just about everybody I knew had to buy one of those at home tests. Yeah. I think and, we both had a family member that we were with test positive and we yeah, both yeah. tested negative. I did twice. Cause I had to for the Bengals game as well. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it is what it is. It seems like if you are vaccinated and boosted that it's, you know, not that, major of a thing which is good but it still sucks it's still scary and uh hopefully you know we can learn to live with it i guess uh, yeah, but hey who knows about the Bengals, let's get this out there what a hell of a w they got yesterday defeating the chiefs and you know what i've called one of the most thrilling and important Bengals games of our lifetime which isn't saying a whole lot unfortunately but right. uh um, I was there, I work all the games from the press box and just the energy, you know, in the press box out in the stadium, you know, mm -hmm. getting that W against the chiefs, the crazy ending, holy yeah. shit, Wild uh, shit. man, just so excited. And I mean, you know, coming into this season and Lee, my roommate talks about it all the time. Like, you know, 
he's saying like, we have to win a playoff game. We have to win a playoff game. But it's like coming into this season, we were expected to win seven games. Well, remember what Marvez said, like, you know, like, like yeah. whenever oh, we go back shit. to like Marvez, he was like, man, yeah. like, you know, like the Bengals really have to show improvement this year. Wow. Yeah. You know, Zach we Taylor's three- behind the eight ball. The Browns, yeah. you know, seem like that game against the Steelers was a passing of the torch or changing of the guard. Like yeah. I think about what Marvez was saying. I and didn't man, the Bengals just that. like, you know, went far beyond that, you know, that's yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like they've exceeded all expectations, but it's like, now that we're here and we're going to have a home playoff game, it's like, yeah, we should win. And yeah. you know, it would be classic old Bengals to not, it would have been classic old Bengals to lose yesterday. They oh, did and, not. and I don't think there's a person on this roster that was on it for the Steelers loss in 2015. I the can't only imagine. one who might be would be CJ Uzama. He's Uzama. the longest tenured Bengal, and what a, I think he might have been, but that would be it. What about the punter? Isn't Huber? Oh, yeah, yeah, and Huber, Huber and Clark Huber. Harris. The, yeah, okay, yeah. Clark Harris, the long snapper who had his 200th game yesterday, so how about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, but, no, that was so exciting. I mean, one of the best games I've ever seen a receiver play. Yeah. Jamar Chase did well, yesterday. I yeah, and he won me my fantasy league championship. So you did 50 win. points. Yeah, I did beat Dylan. I won as, w- I won as well. How so about we it? got a couple of fantasy champions here. Maybe yes, we should sir. do a fantasy football pod. We probably should. <laughs> you know, I mean, I did luck into Jamar Chase, and I drafted three tight ends and started them for most of the year. Oh. And every, everyone laughed at me. Dude, um, yeah, I was with Rich and Dylan that night, and they yeah. were just shredding you. And they're yeah. like, Dylan better win. And I'm, you know what? I'm glad you won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, fired up for the Bengals and, you know, hopefully we can get that playoff win, which hasn't happened since I think 1991. So, yeah. uh, but regardless, what a hell of a year, uh, Burrow has just been otherworldly. I mean, as great as we expect better than we expected probably this mm-hmm. year. So well, and, it is and, exciting. And one special thing about that game is every year, the Bengals have made the playoffs. So I feel like they've clinched it like a little earlier. So it hasn't been as climactic. It hasn't like build toward like this late season game where they, you know, win a game like either in the final week or the week before to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So I think that made it extra special that it seemed, you know, new and different. And like actually talking about Dylan, Dylan was texting me. He's like, yeah, Marvin and Andy may have lost that game by like 30. Yeah. And and to do it against the Chiefs, who've been the class of the AFC, been to two straight Super Bowls. You know, we showed we could hang with Green Bay. So, yeah, I mean – Hopefully they get that playoff win because, you know, as a lot of Bengals say, nothing matters until that a lot of Bengals fans say is nothing matters until you get that playoff win. And, you know, I largely agree, but I'm still enjoying what's going on right now. So, uh, yes, sir. It's been fun. So just uh, obviously, I guess I didn't really say the onus of this episode is um, I did about two and a half hours with my buddy, Alex Azar, uh, our buddy, friend of the show, um, who's been referenced a million times. You know, he prior to this year in podcasting was the only friend I had who was kind of on my level with wrestling stuff. And we this year were very diligent about rating matches, keeping track of matches, so we talked two and a half hours about our favorite matches of the year, and it was a ton of fun, and hopefully you stick around. And some of this stuff at the end is the best stuff because uh, the last few months of the year were amazing. Uh, but just wanted to say that, that that is going to be the bulk of this episode. But uh, um, about that, just wanted to at least mention that Pro Wrestling Noah had their big show on the first of the year where Katsuhiku Nakajima defeated the returning Go Shiyazaki in an amazing match, just under five stars for me, setting the bar. 
for match of the year thus far. And Wrestle Kingdom in New Japan will be happening tomorrow and the next day. And then they will be on the 8th against Noah. So it'll be a New Japan versus Noah show, which should be really cool. Um, And then WWE also had their day one pay-per-view the other day. I haven't watched any yet. I do plan to at least check out some of that. Um, But wanted to give a little love to two of our nearest and dearest here, two guys that were on our Christmas episode, two of our biggest supporters from, well, not really day one, but pretty much. And that is um, High Five Tom and Justin Time 211. Yes. Both, and we talked about this, both starting new podcasts. I know Justin, I think it's called the In Time Wrestling Podcast with his yep. brother. Mm-hmm. They just put out their first episode yesterday about day one, the WWE show. Haven't had a chance to listen yet, but very much looking forward. Yep. And just excited. You know, Justin's such a supporter of everyone in the wrestling podcast community. Been on I mean, a lot of shows. He's been regular on Bishop's show. Exactly. Yeah. So to finally see him, you know, do this himself is exciting. Mm-hmm. And then Tom, similarly, like he's been all over the place and now he's doing his own thing, marking out with High Five Tom. Uh, he's on the Visionaries Global Media Network. Uh, but yeah, at High Five Tom on Twitter, at Justin Time to 11 on Twitter. Check those guys out. They're the best. Yes, sir. Um, And then wanted to tee up, uh, you know, kind of following up from what we talked about on the Christmas episode. And we've sent some tweets out about this, that Mm -hmm. we are excited to be doing a one month trial partnership with Manscaped. Yes. And uh, starting January 9th, which will be the day our next episode comes out. Um, you can use the promo code BBB for 20% off any Manscaped products. And I believe if we get 10 people to use that promo code, uh, we will get a paid partnership out of it. So, uh, yeah. Hey, exciting stuff, uh, for your boys. And, uh, if you want to take care of your balls or whatever, yeah, yeah or your, you know, uh, <laughs> Have your you used the trimmer or... yet on your face? No, I, I, I haven't shaved, uh, since, um, <laughs> I last shaved for work. So it's been like five yeah. days for me. So I'm planning on, on using it. Uh, I yeah. think tonight. Yeah, really? I haven't either. I've used the, uh, I'll tell you what the ball deodorant <laughs> I've really, I have really enjoyed because I'm someone who does get a little bit of chafing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has not only prevented that, but just provided a nice, uh, aroma for yeah it it, it, it it does smell like the spray it kind of has yeah. like a nice yeah, you know that's the it, ball toner right yeah the ball yeah toner. yeah and and it's Just like kinda, keeping it fresh yeah yeah it's it it, it kind of has a nice smell you know yeah. it's a nice fresh smell not like an axe body spray kind of like pungent sort of thing um and their underwear their boxer briefs oh are man i told you this. i texted you this yeah i don't typically i'm typically a boxers guy not a boxer brief guy but uh yeah those were those manscaped boxer briefs were very comfortable but uh yeah more to come on that next week especially and um you know we might be doing a fun little video with that hopefully so uh yeah we would uh really appreciate your support and uh you know from what we've used of them thus far they've got some nice products yeah, so yeah. i'm sure you'll be hearing more about those very soon yeah for sure january 9th it's when it starts code and bbb bbb 20 percent off 20 yes. percent off save your balls mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of ball stuff yeah. Um, but just wanted to give real balls quick, in our court now. The, ooh, ball is in our court. I just mm. wanted to real quickly kind of give uh, you all an idea of what these next few episodes are going to look like. Because I think on 
the Christmas episode, we had said that our first coming out of the new year, which technically I guess this is now, even though Azar and I recorded it on the 30th, um, that the first coming out of the new year would be a Survivor Series 98 review. So that'll actually be the week after next coming out likely the 16th. Mm -hmm. One major reason being is that this week is the Danielson hangman rematch. And Mm -hmm. obviously that is a very big deal and uh, something that I think we need to discuss. And you know, what? just kind of felt like throwing it back to a, an old school BBB episode because God, it's been shit since probably sometime in like, October. Oh yeah, because like the the LA episodes, like let's not count those. Yeah, and before that was Halloween, and before that was Halloween. It was yeah. the Halloween episode right before Which that. that. I guess that would be it. I, was that the one mm-hmm. we reviewed? The I guess it was the Eddie Guerrero Mysterio. Mysterio. Yes. Yeah. So like that's the last time we've done it, if you recall. So um, yeah, we're gonna do an old school BBB for you, and then like we've said, like we want to be doing some different stuff this year. We want to be reviewing some shows, bringing more guests on to shoot the shit about whatever, like we did on the Christmas episode. I mean, obviously that was a hog of an episode, and this is gonna be a hog of an episode because yes. Azar and I went a long time, but had so much fun, man. Like. I know it's all it'll it's probably a lot over your head, and I'm not going to ask you to listen to the whole two and a I'm half. I'm sure. Hours, well, I've got I've got a I've got an hour drive home, but yeah, um, from Lexington. So. But I was very happy with how all that came out, um, just because he and I have been tracking it for so long. We literally talk about it every day, mm-hmm. um, and he's not someone who's done anything like this. And I know right. Azar needed, you know, some slight arm tugging to be a part of this, but there's no one I could have done it with that was, you know, aside from him, because he's been right there on this journey with me and how you've known him a lot longer than me too. And just, just a great dude and excited for you all to hear from him because he's certainly got some uh, takes and analysis and analyzes things differently than we do. So uh, it's going to be fun. And then, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. And then after the, so we're going to do Survivor Series 98 with a special guest next week. And that's because we talked a lot about it on our second episode, but you hadn't seen it. And then something you have seen that we have been planning that I think you may have forgotten about until I told you earlier is we've got the 30th anniversary of Royal Rumble 1992, a.k.a. put that cigarette out. So I think we'll probably review the whole damn show, Bob, you know, really, really focusing in on Mean Gene and putting that cigarette out because we already reviewed the Rumble itself last year. So. You know, I think we can at least go over that a little bit uh, just because it's so fucking good. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, again, something that was really important to the early stages of our show and just an amazing show in and of itself. So yes. uh, 30 years of putting that cigarette out. Well, and, and I believe we talked about this, like, ever since we made um, put that cigarette out a BBV meme. Um, we were like, oh yeah, the, the 30th anniversary is coming up, you know, next yep. year we'll have to do it, you know, but it always seemed like it was a year away and now it's here. <laughs> now it's here. So, yeah, so, uh, going to be great. Yeah. So standard dynamite recap, if you recall next week, survivor series 98 review with a special guest, the following, and then the week after that 30 years of put that cigarette out Royal rumble 92. And then we may have one other episode in January or the beginning of February, something like that. But that's the next, that's the next few weeks for us. We're happy to be back. Um, You know, it's been since kind of early mid November, we've been just kind of off and on. We needed the break for sure. Oh, I got a new uh, microphone and headphones. And I've got uh, a new computer. I don't think I've mentioned that on here. Like we're using now like a, 
new hard drive here. It's yeah. um, two terabytes that contain that's going to contain all our stuff. So that's been a big change getting used to. So all new gear, uh, yeah, full gear. gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be up. a big, big 2022 yes. for your boys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts here uh, before we uh, shift into mine and Azar's insane discussion? Uh, no, let's shift those gears. <laughs> Let's shift it, baby. Hope all right. Hope you, hope you all enjoy this as much as I did because yeah. uh, it was a ton of fun. You will. All right. I have been waiting for this one. Oh, what a day, what a day. I am so excited to be joined to discuss our favorite matches of 2021. He's been mentioned on the show many, many times. He may have made a surprise appearance or two, but first time as himself. Alex Azar, welcome to the Brain Buster Boys, brother. Good to be here, man. Again, it feels like it's just yesterday that you guys started talking the show and you know, look at where it's where it's gone, what you guys have done. I'm I'm really impressed by, by all of it. Hey, well, thank you very much. And I know you've been right there every step of the way from day one. Big supporter of ours. Um, you know, we've like I said, we've mentioned you in many shows, referenced that hey, Azar and I watched this match, or here's how we feel about that match. And today is the day to get down and dirty in the nitty gritty of everything that has been going on in wrestling in 2021. And you and I, for the first time ever, uh, diligently kept track of matches this year. Um, Something we'd kind of toyed with a little bit in years past of like, oh, we'll rate the G1 matches, or we at least had like ideas in our head of this is a five star, you know, kind of how we felt about matches. But this year from day one, we have had an insane spreadsheet going and we have been keeping track of this uh, very diligently. And it's been a ton of fun. And I just can't wait to get into it with you. Yeah, I think not only we catch a lot of good stuff this year, we caught a lot of just men and women that we'd never seen before or barely yeah. seen. So I, I was really impressed both by people we known about and people we'll get into, but like that I never even heard of, or just like I'd seen the name on cage match that so-and-so had had, you know, a really highly rated match. So no doubt. I'm, I'm excited, yeah. man. Yeah. And this kind of stems back. And again, something I've talked a lot about on this show of when the pandemic hit last year in 2020, that you and I kind of started I guess this journey, so to speak, of that was a spreadsheet, though, of more old matches, you know, all Japan, Noah, some Ring of Honor, TNA stuff that we hadn't seen that we would just really dig into and kind of, you know, made us, I guess I'd say more well-rounded wrestling fans than we were. We'd fire up Zooms, pick a few matches and watch them. And it was fucking awesome. And we've kind of kept that going. And then this year we like I said, we started tracking from basically what we both felt, you know, individually was a four star match and above. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. And I'm going to run through a few numbers here before we really dig in and get into the nitty gritty. And let's see here. And this is due to your wonderful work on the spreadsheet here that uh, we'll, uh, we may share at least our final lists on Twitter here. But 
I had a total of 287 matches at the four star and above level. You had 240. Um, I had 13 five stars. You had 12. Um, we don't really need to run through every single number, but I had a total of 1,234 and a quarter stars given. You had 1,031 and three quarter stars given. It's all crazy. It's been awesome. And, you know, you got to think about it. If we're tracking every match we've watched, we've got to be into the thousands at this point, I would think, of just matches from 2021 that we saw. Wouldn't you think so? I mean, I'm because, again, it's what, like 10 AEW matches a week, every week, just yeah. going. And, you know, all the – you got stuff like the G1, got Noah that we dove into, the DDT tournament. Yeah. And, you know, were we a little generous at times? Maybe, but yeah. I, did we enjoy it that much? Like, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It's been a fucking hell of a year for wrestling. And like you said, we've gotten more into pro wrestling Noah, and we got the subscription to Wrestle Universe, which also has DDT, and they had their end-of-the-year tournament that blew us away. And we'll get into Yuji Okabayashi, one of those guys that we didn't know of, shit, even three months ago. And he's made <laughs> such a big impact. Um, so we're going to kind of attack this chronologically. Um, you know, again, this is something I would say for me personally, I don't know about you. It's been an obsession this year of just really kind of keeping tabs on this and making sure we're catching everything. And, oh, did you see this match? And, you know, you mentioned cage match. We use cagematch.net as a, a nice barometer to kind of find matches, um, so that's been a huge resource for us. But um, yeah, and then I did a top 100 list. You have a top 75 list, but we're not going to run through, you know, kind of one through 100 or one through 75. We're just going to kind of, as we're going chronologically through the year, mention like, oh, this fell at number 15 on my list. And it was 20 on, you know, kind of stuff like that. And then I'd say at the end, We'll kind of give our top 10s, top 15s, top 20s, something like that. But you'll have a pretty good idea of where things sit. And uh, no surprise whatsoever, uh, our lists are pretty similar. Not entirely, but I think, you know, definitely at the top, we're both sitting pretty similar. But, uh, man, it was an awesome year and uh, so much great wrestling. And I'm just ready to get into it. Uh, anything you want to add here before we before we dive in? Um, yeah, I, I think I don't think we, we have too many of his matches on our list, but I think Dante Martin's somebody that I know that you guys talk about on the podcast and like looking forward that he's probably going to be all over this if we give it another shot next year. Like, yeah, that was a guy coming into the year we knew about him, we'd seen a little, and he just really impressed, even though he, he didn't have a ton of big wins or anything. The guy just is going places like, oh, really yeah. talented kid, 20 years old, and yeah, I mean, it helped that his tag partner and brother Darius got hurt. I mean, obviously you never want to see that, but it kind of led to a breakout year of sorts for Dante. Will be interesting to see when Darius gets back, which I think will be soon, how that's going to look. Uh, but you're right. I think that's a great point is, yeah, I don't think he's on our lists at all, but a guy definitely to be looking forward to. Um, and yeah, I just want to preface real quick, and I think the listeners know mostly that like we're definitely AEW and New Japan primarily is the the two promotions you and I definitely follow the closest. I would say AEW 1A and New Japan 1B. I mean, 
I think New Japan had better matches this year probably as a whole, but AEW, the booking, the storylines, the moments, I think were better. But, you know, we'll dive into a little NXT before it went 2.0, a little main roster WWE, and then like we mentioned, some DDT and Noah, which Noah we really kind of sunk into more this year. And thank God for Stuart Fulton and Mark Pickering, the uh, the incredible English commentators for Noah that, you know, we'll definitely get a lot more into those guys and just kind of how they really, really did aid in making some of these matches great. Um, and one of which that is in both of our top threes uh, that we'll get into. But yeah, Stuart and Mark, we love you, baby. Um, You're no mere mortals, dude. We are no mere mortals, and I think it is time to dig in. Like 2022 is about to have a very hot start with some massive shows coming up, uh, probably even bigger than 2021 did. We will kick it off in the land of the rising sun with Wrestle Kingdom. I guess it was 15 last year. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> 16 right around the corner. It'll be next week. Oh, boy. But let's kick it off with night one of Wrestle Kingdom 15. Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay. Um, what do you, let's just, let's just get your thoughts on the match right off the bat. We didn't really exactly, uh, discuss how we're going to be, uh, talking about these, but for night one, uh, both that, the semi-main event and the main event, both on our lists. What'd you think of Okada Osprey here? Their first match after Osprey turned on Okada to join the United Empire and also the first match where Okada used the Rainmaker in what felt like a year um, and kind of a big climax to that storyline. I thought this match was amazing. I I know they, they've had other matches in the past that were pretty well regarded, and I, I think this probably was the best out of all of them. It was a bit more grounded and less flashy than Osprey had been in the past, especially against Okada, but... I think this, there, there's a lot of back and forth in this. I think in a lot of the previous Okada Osprey matches, there was kind of the knowledge that Okada was going to win, and this one seemed a lot more up in the air. Definitely had some extra drama. It was my match of the night to just start Wrestle Kingdom. I would agree, and uh, with because Osprey got his first victory over Okada in the 2020 G1. Yes, there was some interference. And that, you know, obviously Osprey was a part of chaos, turned his back on Okada um, and had, you know, certainly took off last year or this this year. You know, he had the injury, but, you know, ends up winning the World Heavyweight Championship, which we'll get into. But, yeah, incredible match. I think it ended up going about 35 minutes. Um, agreed match of the night. Both guys looked amazing. And when that Rainmaker was hit, holy shit, you could definitely hear the uh, – the joy from the crowd, um, you know, and we'll mention a few times because obviously Japan has had the clap crowds where they can't really make noise with their mouths. And the Japanese crowds, always one of the best things about Japanese pro wrestling is they get so into it and animated and emotional. 
But with the clap crowds now, when you hear those gasps or those like, oh, oh, like, you know, they're really doing something right. And that Rainmaker definitely was one of those moments. Um, again, we're going to be going, we did, we were going <laughs> to. We're already going this slow on this one. So just a quick mention of the main event that night. Uh, Kota Ibushi defeats Tetsuya Naito to win his, I guess at that point it was both belts, the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships, which leads us into night two. And before we get to that match, um, a first, a top 10 for both of us here, Shingo Takagi versus Jeff Cobb. Big brawl and bruiser match. Just incredible stuff here. Um, what'd you think? I mean, I'll keep it short. Like this, this is just one of those matches. They did everything right. It was fast. It was hard hitting. And again, just no rookie mistakes. Two guys just battling it out. I, and, I loved it. And so smooth. I recently rewatched it. Because again, when these matches were, it's basically a year ago at this point. And I know I've rewatched it at least once in the first part of the year. But I ended up moving it up a little further than I even thought it was it would have been for me. I think I had it at eight. I believe you had it at six for our top matches of the year. So, again, it happened early and it held up. And, yeah, like you said, just no mistakes. Everything was perfection, smooth, incredible big man stuff here. Um, and, I mean, this really – we didn't really mention it in the opener, but Shingo – my wrestler of the year, um, I w- would you say he is yours as well? I know we can kind of – there's a few candidates, but uh, this definitely kicks off a huge year for Shingo Takaki. Yeah, for me, I think that he just did. He had the, he had the quantity of awesome matches, and the quality of his awesome mass- matches just tended to be a little better than everybody else's. So I, I got to go Shingo. Yeah, I think I had four four of his matches in my top 10. I think he made my top 100 list 12 times. Um, and yeah, this, this was just the start. But let's get into the main event. I don't necessarily want to spoil uh, where it falls on our lists, but let's just say we both had this match in the top three of the year on January 5th, and that being... Kota Ibushi successfully defending both belts against the nefarious Jay White. Switchblade, who had defeated Kota Ibushi for the briefcase uh, the previous fall, which was the first time that had happened prior to Wrestle Kingdom. You know, they'd had the 2019 G1 final, so a, a thick rivalry between these two all comes to a head. Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 in a absolute fucking scale breaker what an emotional match and i know you had this one rated uh very 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 highly on your list so uh let's hear uh hear your take about it i, I think this was just a really unique match like there's <clears throat> I, I think it's rare that you see like a big main event match like this where you know going in jay is so confident he's gonna win he's got his plan and everything and then as the match goes on you know, he realizes it's not, it might not work. And then by the time uh, Bushi kicks out of his finisher, it's Which, just something he realizes he can't win and even tries to lie down yes. and get Bushi to end it like that. And, and it's a really unique match that I think is really fitting for the main event of a really big show. And like, you couldn't do this, you know, on the main event of a dynamite, but for like a WrestleMania main event caliber moment, 
it, it was really cool to see this. And it goes 48 minutes, the longest match ever at Wrestle Kingdom, which eclipsed Kenny Omega Okada, at which I think was about 46-45 from Wrestle Kingdom 11. But it didn't feel that long. And I mean, once it, it got to that certain point where it's like, what the hell is, how is this going to end? What's going to happen? Uh, you know, Jay had kicked out of the Kamagoye, which people have started doing more of. But Abushi kicks out of the uh, fucking... I can't even think of the name of Blade Runner. <laughs> Blade Runner, which that was the first time anyone had ever kicked out of it, right? I, I think so. I, I can't think of anyone else. Yeah, and just the, the Jay was so good in this match the whole way, like you said, confident, heel shit, just talking, you know, talking the whole time, throwing Nabushi against the guardrails. Fuck you, fuck you, you know, just like so intense, and like you said, just couldn't get the job done. You know, Abushi bested him. Uh, this was Abushi's biggest crowning moment in his New Japan career, I think. Um, you know, it took him a long time to get to this point um, to hold, to hoist the heavyweight and intercontinental titles and become God, as he proclaimed. Um, unfortunately, a short reign for him. But, you know, Abushi has been one of my, if not my favorite wrestlers over the past three years. And uh, I think I probably shed some tears after this one. But yeah, incredible, incredible stuff. We got to keep rolling because we're going to be, because we could talk forever about this. We could probably do a six hour podcast on just this shit. So uh, we'll have to pick our spots here. But uh, one day later on January 6th, Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix Dynamite New Year's Smash Night One. Um, just an awesome, awesome match. I think I had this one a little higher than you. Um, I think I had it at 18. I can't remember exactly where you're, I think you had it somewhere around the forties. Um, go ahead. I, I, I was just impressed by the speed these guys were working at in this match. I oh, think yeah. that, you know, there, yeah, there are matches I liked better than this, but just as far as you watch a match and s- see something that, wow, I didn't think guys could actually do that. Yeah. This was one of those matches. Yeah. And on television, you know, obviously when you're on TV, it's just going to be a little bit different from like a pay-per-view match. You know, you have the commercials, whatnot. But uh, this is another I've rewatched pretty much all of my top 40 in the last month or two because I'm a psycho. Uh, but this was one that, again, kind of like Cobb Shingo was a little better than I remembered it. And just, you know, incredible stuff from those two guys. And I mean, Phoenix, the first part of last year was one of the better wrestlers in the world, I think. Um, You know, he was just having some amazing matches, Penta, you know, singles and tag. I know Penta was out for a bit, so he had to tag with Pac. They had a great match against the Young Bucks, but um, yeah, just great stuff. So getting towards the end of January, we have another match that was both in our top tens that stayed there all year. Big shock, Shingo Takagi against the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, for the Never Open Weight Championship. Shingo comes in with the belt, and he cannot, he just cannot defeat the ace. And I think what's awesome about this match is I think it really showcased, like, the smarts and the brain of Tanahashi and just, like, every little thing in this match mattered. I feel like the intangibles of this match, like, it's hard to describe but like when you're watching it, it's just like built so well and so naturally. And I believe it was their first match against each other. Is that correct? Uh, I can't think of because they weren't were in the same block for the G1. 
Yeah, so. I think it I think it was their first and it was a fucking home run. And I think we both actually had this at number seven on our lists. Um, your thoughts? Just a rock solid five. You said there's really good storytelling in the match. These guys were locked in. And I think, again, I know we celebrated uh, Shingo just having the run of his life right now. But I think also Tanahashi's over 40 at this point. You know, his body's seen better days and the guy – you know, for one night can be as good as anybody. And like these two had a rematch, you know, six months later that if it wasn't as good, it was about as close as you can get. So just two guys that are still on top of their game. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I think this one was slightly better than the one at Wrestle Grand Slam in the Tokyo Dome, which happened what on 24 hours notice. Cause it was supposed to be a Bushi Shingo, a Bushi had pneumonia. He had to pull out. So reliable trusty tanahashi steps in literally one day's notice after what a 29 minute match with kenta that he won and he he, there was a moment of that match the second one which i think we both had around 16 ish 15 16 somewhere on our lists um where tanahashi does the kamagoye abushi's move it was supposed to be abushi's match another moment where the crowd gasps and then he follows it up with the high fly flow and i remember thinking like holy fuck is he gonna beat him again and he did not and shingo ultimately got the win but it's those those types of moments in matches that like that's something you just won't forget and like when they can really kind of you know work you trick you whatever you want to say like you and i watch so much of this shit that we pretty much have a pretty good idea typically of who's going to win or how it's going to go. And obviously they got me on that one, but uh, what a spot that was. Yeah. I, I think you hit everything on that. They're just two guys that are masters at this point. And you know, just, we're, we're lucky to be watching them now. And like you said, Tana, I think he's like 44 now, clearly on the downswing of his career. But like you said, he can still go at that level when he needs to. And he needed to, especially that night, to fill a Tokyo Dome main event, um, but also to win the Never Open Weight Championship back in January. So uh, we shall move into February and uh, talk a little NXT real quick. Um, Gargan- Johnny Gargano and Kushida at NXT Vengeance Day. Two other very solid matches on that card, but we'll just focus on that one. But MSK versus Grizzled Young Veterans and Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne. Um, all excellent. Like, what a great show that was. But uh, Gargano Kushida, I think this was definitely the Kushida that we've all wanted to see uh, or that we had expected to see in WWE because we got so used to how great he was in New Japan. But this was finally the match where he really got to showcase who Kushida was for the WWE audience. Yeah, again, I, this this was a guy that was kind of the one of the main juniors in New Japan when we started watching, like switching over from WWE. So, yep. you know, we got into this guy on the tail end of a run of him, you know, just putting on classic matches every time he was out there and so again, just finally catching one of these with, you know, Gargano or someone like Chop or whoever else that they could put him against in NXT. It was, it was fun to actually see it. Yeah, I think it was a great opponent for him. And yeah, Kushida was the ace of the junior division in New Japan for many, many years. Um, 
So it was a little, you know, a bit of a bummer to kind of not see him get those opportunities, but this one was definitely worth it. And just an amazing technical showcase that these two had uh, just great stuff. Um, let's mention on dynamite from February 10th, the forbidden door match, which I think Bo and I also called the Idaho potato classic at one point. Um, <laughs> that would be Kenny Omega and Kenta defeating John Moxley and Lance Archer. Uh, this match was crazy. They brought all the way to the back. That's where the potatoes came in. They were in the kitchen. Kenta, there was almost like a table spot. And then Kenta like did the double stomp to someone off the stage. Just wild, wild stuff. And I mean, even before this, to see Kenta come out on Dynamite, you know, take the hood off, take the mask off. Like that was such a big moment because it's like, okay, this quote unquote forbidden door exists and this type of stuff is going to happen while i think we're still a year year plus away from getting some major major big matches um i thought this was an awesome kind of first forbidden door match what'd you think i i agree and i think what's interesting is while the forbidden door aspect is kind of the the appeal of checking the match out the match itself really has that attitude era a, a sort of energy to it that yes just sort of feels wild and uncontrolled and there there was just a, a sense of craziness to it that is kind of rare to find in modern wrestling. I think that you know, I, again, I was just dialed in. I love this match. I thought it was really fun. And again, just four guys that, you know, all have done big things in new Japan in recent years doing it in the United States now. Yeah, I just looked, uh, you had it at 68 and I had it at 79. So, you know, kind of on the back end of our list, but like it's one that stuck with you. And yeah, it's something you don't always see every day is someone getting hammered with a box of potatoes or, you know, <laughs> fighting in the kitchen. I, I love how you met. It definitely had an attitude error feel. Uh, just great stuff. So we shall move on to New Japan Castle Attack at the end of the month. Uh, night one is main evented by Jay White and Tomohiro Ishii. And before we dig into that real quick, we'd be remiss to not mention kind of what happened with Jay White after the Ibushi loss. He cuts one of the best promos, definitely of his career, one of the best promos maybe I've ever seen. Um, I haven't rewatched it probably since January or February, but, you know, again, like we talked about, he thought he was going to win. He did not win. And he was at this press conference just dejected. I remember he was like sitting on the ground at one point and like saying, I'm going to quit. I'm done. Um, and there was a lot of intrigue at that point. I think, you know, rumors had come out that his contract was up. I don't think they were true, but it's, you know, people are like, oh, shit, could he go to the Royal Rumble? Could he go to WWE? Because it was that time. And it, frankly, his star had never been higher at that point. And I think now, I guess let's just get into this now. Like Jay... He's only away for, what, a few weeks. He comes back, takes out Ishii, who's the one who beat him in the block final, the 2020 G1, and they've had just kind of a great rivalry these last few years. And then Jay gets the victory at Castle Attack here. In a, you know, in a very good match, and you know, something like these two are never not going to have their 4.5, four and a half stars is probably the floor for these two guys, and that's what I had it at. I think you had it a little higher. But this was almost kind of Jay White's peak of the year, and he kind of got stuck in the U.S. and was doing impact stuff and was just never really 
super involved and we know how great he is and how great he can be. And again, that first match against Ibushi, one of our favorites of the year, but uh, take a second to talk about Jay White's 2021. I mean, I think that again, like he's kind of been, you know, off the radar since again, he came, he, he left Japan and didn't really go back for much of it. But I, I think as far as this particular match, like his Ishii's history, from Jay's, Jay's brief run in chaos, you know, something that these two guys definitely had some bad blood. Ishii had beaten him the first couple times around. So, again, I think that, you know, our perception of what Jay's 2021 was going to be is if he was coming back this soon to deal with Ishii, he was either going to win and, you know, get on the get on the fast track to win the title or he was going to lose and have like a 2018 Okada-style year. And yeah, he's sort of he's been around, but outside of the New Japan Cup, you know, we just haven't seen a lot of the guy. And you know, hopefully, hopefully he's back. He's more, as good as anybody right now. Yeah, I mean, we again, he he's a legit top guy, and he just wasn't this past year, like you said, mostly because of circumstance. He you know wasn't able to get into Japan too much. Uh, but yeah, would love to see a resurgent twenty twenty two from Jay White. Um, you know, he's he's a main eventer. We know he is. We've seen it. And, um, you know, there's been long talks of a Jay White babyface run, which I think maybe we all thought could have been coming out of this and it did not. And that's fine. But he's certainly got the characteristics to be an incredible babyface, as great of a heel as he is. And again, like I was reminded in that Abushi match, rewatching it, just how like Kevin Owens, we've talked a lot about before is so good at just talking during the match and being such a prick during the match. And Jay nailed it here. Um, but yeah, again, very, very, very solid match. I had it. Um, yeah. You had this one at 22, definitely, you know, kind of in your upper, upper echelon. I had it at 53, but again, we're picking nits here. There's so many great fucking matches, but yeah, good shit. Looking forward to more, Jay. And let's just at least mention they had another match at the Battle in the Valley in the USA back in November. I think we both had it four and a half stars. Ishii got the win again. Um, there was that, that was for the Never Openweight Championship, right? Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> Jay took it off Tanahashi. So it's, and now that the Intercontinental merged, like the Never Openweight is kind of the second singles belt. Um, so, yeah, interesting choice there. I kind of thought Jay would win, but obviously he's not going to be on the Wrestle Kingdom cards. So, uh, but yeah, another good match. So let's get into Castle Attack Night 2 real quick here as we had a rematch of Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 main event with Kota Bushi uh, against Tetsuya Naito, although this was for the Intercontinental Championship because he wanted to defend both, um, which was interesting because Naito's history with the Intercontinental Championship is not exactly uh, the best as he would throw it around and try to use it as currency in the grocery store, which I always love. Um, but I actually like this match a slight touch better than the Tokyo Dome match, which um, I think Dave Meltzer had the Tokyo Dome match at five or even higher. And I think we were both at like four and a half. Like it was, you know, very good, but um, you know, we've seen better from these two and, you know, I know, I don't want to call it a criticism, but we know these two, when they're matched up can go a little crazy and do a lot of bad, big neck moves. So I think maybe they were trying to minimize that, but, uh, yeah. What'd you think of this one? I'm saying like, I, I don't remember this or the Russ kingdom one as well as others, but 
they were both really good. I remember this one, like Naito kind of changed his strategy from the dome where he was just going a lot more strike heavy to try and win. And no, it didn't work, but I, I, I liked that. That was a very good main event and definitely uh, just good to see Naito in a main event always. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Let's swing into March here. Um, let's just start. Let's kick it off with the New Japan Cup because there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, let's just start it off with Shingo Okada because I know this is one that uh, I feel, you know, Shingo and Okada have had now, what, like four or so matches in the past couple of years. They'll be main eventing night one of Wrestle Kingdom coming up. Or maybe they've had they've had three, I think. Um, and I think you've always liked them slightly better than me. Doesn't mean I don't like, they're all great, but I know this one was definitely higher for you than it was for me. But, uh, and I think this was like a 22 or so minute match. It wasn't the longest and Shingo finally got his first W against Okada. What'd you think? Yeah. I I think part of the appeal with this one is I didn't think Shingo was going to win. So I, yeah, for like, sure. it was the kind of thing that, you know, again, there was sort of the feel-good moment as a fan, and even though you know Okada's been a favorite of mine for years, like seeing Shingo, you know, work his way up and hit home runs off of anything he gets. I think we were talking about how there was some interview with Kevin Kelly, someone else did, and Kevin saying like, "What does Shingo have to do to show that he sh- he should be the guy?" And just another example of Shingo getting his chance and nailing it, and. Yeah, I I think this was my favorite match match of the uh, entire tournament, except for the uh, final. Yeah, you had this at eleven. I had it at twenty six. Um, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't think we necessarily expected Shingo to win, but again, this kind of set him on the the trajectory that he was on, eventually winning the heavyweight championship. Um, may as well mention their Dominion match, Okada and Shingo, which. After Osprey had to vacate the belt due to his injuries, Okada versus Shingo faced off at Dominion in June for the belt. And I was even more surprised at this one that Shingo got the win because I think we just kind of assumed, okay, Okada hasn't had the belt for a year and a half. And when Okada is away from the belt for that long and it's vacant, it just seems like that's what's going to happen. But no, it did not. And I remember this was another one where the crowds – you could hear the audible noises with their mouths during the end. And they did not think Shingo was going to win either. And because of that, I actually put this one a notch above the cup one. I had them both at 25, 26, because I couldn't really differentiate them. And I love them both. But again, just the shock of Shingo actually winning the title. Cause I don't, you know, we've been, we're both big Shingo marks, no doubt. And Coming into the year, I wouldn't have ever thought he was going to win the championship. What about you? No, I mean, again, I he was my pick, but it was the kind of thing that I was much more going with my heart. Like yeah. I, and like you said, I think even back in in uh, June, if not now, like Okada hasn't gone this long without the title since he got back from excursion. So, yep, it is just one of those things, and I think it, it makes for interesting storytelling for New Japan that. Like you know that he's still the guy, so he's all like if he shows up, you know whoever it is can think they're tough, but this guy is the best. Yep, and again, like we said, they will be facing off January fourth. I'm thinking Okada probably wins this time because Shingo's now beaten him two consecutive. Um, 
But yeah, no, Kata kind of dealing with some back injuries in the New Japan Cup earlier in the year. And then he comes back, you know, looks a lot better down the stretch of the year. And yeah, I can't wait for the rematch again. Um, I'm just going to mention a handful of these New Japan Cup matches. And I think we can kind of spend time talking about the final, really. But if you want to get a few, you know, digs in here. Other great matches, Osprey, Zack Sabre Jr., the final, Osprey Shingo, Shingo, Hiroki Goto, your boy. Um, boy. And then two that you had higher on your list than me would be Jay White versus David Finley and Osprey versus Sonata. And I'm going to throw out Osprey versus David Finley because after Finley got the big upset against Jay, uh, I actually liked his match against Osprey better. Um, you want to talk about some of those others before we dig into the final and probably Osprey Zach deserves a little more mention as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit, I don't remember the Osprey Sonata one as much as I'd like to just again in the moment, it was something that I was just locked in, you know, Sonata's a guy that, you know, I feel like I like him better than a lot of Western fans do, but I think he's tight. I get worked every time he goes up for that, Top rope, uh, Muda Moonsault. Oh, yeah. Just hoping that idiot <laughs> different move. And like, come on, man. Like, you've got this. But, yeah, I think the Jay White-Finley match was really interesting. You know, I I went 4-5. It looks like the cage mark, cage match crew went, like, 7 on it, which is a, be a big gap between, like, I guess a quote-unquote consensus. But yeah, just the story between these guys going back to the dojo where – you know, Jay had always gotten the better of this guy yep. everywhere they'd been. And again, it's something that I know going into this match, like we weren't, we, we didn't ever have a problem with Finley, but we weren't that interested in him. And mm-hmm. coming out of this, it was something like, oh, like, we, this guy's going to be in the G1 this year. Like yeah. this guy might be going places and didn't not, really work out that not way. Quite. But yeah. Again, the guy, the guy's definitely more talented than we thought he was. And, you know, you love to come out of a match thinking that about a guy. No doubt. And like I said, again, in his next match, he looked awesome against Osprey, too. Um, let's quickly talk about Osprey Zack Sabre Jr. here. That was a five-star from Dave Meltzer. Um, we both gave it four and three quarters. But this was a match, that was, again, about 20 minutes, not super long. Uh, starts at a fever pitch, and they don't really let up too much. Um, obviously, great rivalry between these two. They had two amazing matches in 2020, one of which in RevPro. Um, but this was also a match where Zach broke Will Ospreay's nose, and he was gushing blood. And uh, But, yeah, I thought this was this was just a great, great match. Uh, anything you want to add about it? I think you put it best. These guys have a lot of chemistry from working together over the years, both of them from Britain. And I think for me, what stood out about this is that I think both guys, as far as wrestling each other, were better in kind of the face heel alignment they were here mm-hmm. than, you know, having Osprey as the face and ZSJ as the heel. I thought that this way, this pairing kind of worked a little better and hooked my attention a little more yeah and zach definitely you know played a little more of a face this year obviously when we get into the g1 not quite as much but when he and taichi were tagging up they were faces a lot and obviously this is the first time we've seen osprey as a heel you had it at 25 i had it at 22 so an ironclad top 25er for us and speaking of ironclad top 25ers the final in which will osprey defeats shingo takagi 
Um, I thought Shingo was going to go all the way here. I wanted Shingo to go all the way here, but, uh, you know, the Osprey win definitely makes sense. And this was the third of their fourth matches, which the fourth will be coming up and is in our top fives. It was incredible. Um, but what do you think about this one? I mean, these guys chemistry is just amazing. Like I remember when we watched it originally, like I, I thought near five, you know, watching it again. Maybe it is a five, like whatever it is, these guys just are about as good a pairing as you'll see in wrestling today. You know, the athleticism, just everything about this match, their timing together is phenomenal. And it just gets even better when they rematch later in the year. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the other night, like they've now had four matches. You know who else had four matches? Kenny Omega and Okada. Um, And I'm not saying this is as good as that but it's pretty damn close. You know, I was kind of just thinking through, you know, each of the four matches they've had. I've stuck with four, seven, five on this one and the 2020 G1. We'll get into the next one, but I mean, I think it's just a very, very slight notch below Kenny and Okada. And like you said, the chemistry is just unbelievable. Um, And yeah, we'll kind of hold off our thoughts um, until we get to the other one, but I had this match at 20, and you had it at 13. So, um, yeah, just incredible stuff. Let's keep rolling with a couple uh, AEW matches in March, one of which I know you didn't see because you, you know, you kind of just weren't, weren't as into it this month. I know you didn't catch Revolution. Hey, life happens, you know, shit gets in the way. But uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa in a lights-out match on Dynamite St. Patrick's Day Slam lot, a lot, a lot of blood in this one and not something you see typically from the women, especially in America. Thumbtacks. Again, I think this was only like a 17, 18 minute match and it felt, you know, it felt longer. And I say that as a compliment because they got a lot of shit in and even with the commercials and again, just the sheer amount of blood is just not something you're used to seeing one on television and two in women's matches. And it, again, I just remember watching it live and just being absolutely blown away. Um, didn't quite hold up as well on a rewatch, still amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, just all credit to these women for going out there and doing it. People forget that Thunder Rosa actually won the match, uh, just because Britt was the one who ended up getting the title and kind of being the face of the women's division, Um, I think at the time, maybe Thunder Rosa wasn't signed full-time to AEW, but regardless, that's just something people don't always remember is that Thunder Rosa was the one who actually came out on top there. I had it at 33 on my list. Um, Just another quick mention, it got a number 100 on my list, had to put it on there. Bucks, the Young Bucks versus MJF and Jericho. This was just one watching it with Bo and a couple other buddies that there were so many near falls and it was the opener of the show and energy was high in the room. And I've, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. Like when you're actually watching matches with other people, you know, whether it's on zoom, like we do sometimes or in person, like the experience is just so much better and different. And sometimes you know, matches that maybe aren't quite as good feel a little bit better. And that's kind of what that one was to me. Um, But we will go to some stardom, our first uh, entry here. And we're definitely going to have a little bit more. My girl, Julia, who I kind of fell in love with and fell down a rabbit hole against Tam Nakano in a hair versus hair match. Uh, Julia takes the L and Nakano hits an insane Steiner screwdriver. 
which was pretty wild um, before picking up the victory. Um, and I know you actually, you know, watched this one recently and uh, thought about it a little more fondly than me, actually. Yeah, I was I was surprised there. I I think our like we have a good enough read on each other's tastes that yeah, like, you know our rec, like our ability to provide each other recommendations is really solid. And I went in expecting like a four or five, and this this match was amazing. Like I'd never seen either of these women in a match before, and I, I was blown away. I thought that this had the intensity and just everything in this match clicked for me. So I. Again, I think that, you know, moving forward in 2022, you know, that stardom rabbit hole might just be one other thing that, uh, yes, you know, we got to put on the list, especially now that there's the uh, exodus of our NXT favorites. Yes, uh, we, you know, stardom was definitely one that you and I hadn't really watched much of prior to this year. And Julia was kind of the first one I really got into. Um, and yeah, just great stuff here. You had it at uh 32 and I had it at 43. Um, quick mention for Kota Ibushi versus El Desperado at the New Japan 49th anniversary show. Uh, this was Ibushi actually defending both belts against Desperado, the junior. I think he was the junior champ at the time. Um, and yeah, it was just a fun match there. And then one I do want to get your take on here from Noah, our first Noah entrant. Um, tag team uh, Katsuhiku Nakajima and Masa Kitamiya against uh, Kazushi Sakuraba and Takashi Segura. We both had it at four and a half stars. And uh, what'd you think? This was on the precipice of the Nakajima Kitamiya breakup. Uh, this was just a, a hard hitting match. It was again, so I, I, I think the story that was going into this match is after Nakajima betrayed his tag partner, Go Shiozaki at the end of last year, he joined this group called Congo. And mm -hmm. uh, so in this match, he's teamed with Kitamiya versus Sagira and Sakuraba, who are two guys that are much more uh, MMA leaning, especially considering Sakuraba is an MMA legend. And just a lot of, a lot of hard hitting in this match, some cool submission stuff. And I'll, I'll let you talk the finish, but it was just the kind of thing that, it's a, it just you walk away from it thinking, man, these guys are just a pair of tough badasses. Well, that was was that Kitamiya doing the headbutt there? Yeah. Why don't you you talk? I don't even remember exactly how it happened, but I do remember being blown away by it. Uh, yeah, he gets like he has this submission hold where it's almost like a figure four, but he's like sitting up, and then he'll like yell like ah, and then he I don't remember who it was he was headbutting, but he split his head open as he was doing this and yelling, and it was just fucking wild. Well, because I remember I think didn't you text me about it, just saying like, hey, I, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but like the finish is going to catch you off guard, but I think you'll like it. And I had forgotten yeah. about it until you just mentioned it. So I'm glad, I'm glad you said something about it. Cause yeah, that was definitely one that uh, was pretty sweet. So I may have to go back and watch that uh, end at some point, but Hey, uh, we're nearly an hour in and we're only in April. So, <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of keep chugging chugging along and maybe, uh, you know, just start uh, kind of mentioning some stuff a little quicker and putting a little more time into the things we care about because we've got, you know, just about an hour's worth more time. But we get to April and let's start with some NXT stand and deliver with two matches that are both in our, I believe, top 20s or 25s. Um, night one, uh, Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa in just an absolute war. 
I think it only went about 18 minutes, but this definitely reminded me of some 90s All Japan Kings Road style. They both just beat the piss out of each other. Yeah, I don't think there's much else to say on that, but just <laughs> similar to all these Walter matches, it, you know, hard hitting and you know, it always lives up to the hype. I had it at 23. You had it at 18. Uh, one thing I loved was that he ended it with just a simple chop, you know, which is kind of what we would see in 90s All Japan with like a Misawa Kawada or Misawa Kobashi. It's like you've been through everything. You've thrown everything plus the kitchen sink at each other. And just a simple chop is going to end it because you just got nothing left. Um, there was the moment where Champa hit about 15 clotheslines in a row that I thought was pretty cool. And uh, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, Walter, just one of the best wrestlers in the fucking world, plain and simple. You know, we don't, don't get to see enough of him, but maybe that's what makes him even more special. Um, you know, more to come from him here. Rumors that he may be joining the main roster. So I'll certainly be intrigued whatever he does more of. That's for sure, because he's just fucking amazing. And then a match you and I both had at five stars that I believe we watched together on Zoom and that Bo and I watched together live was Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. Uh, unsanctioned match, you know, went about 44, 45 minutes. Uh, they go through the ramp, a lot of stuff with the chain. Um, I, again, I, this is one I did not rewatch before this. One of the few but I knew I watched it twice then, and I just remember it held up both times. Like, just a great epic that I thought they did so well. Obviously, so much history between the two from Ring of Honor into NXT. Hell, now into AEW, which is fucking crazy. But, uh, yeah, just a sweet, awesome match here. Yeah, the only thing I'll toss in there is I think that we talked about it while we were watching it. The way they utilized the chain throughout the match is just a a really good display of long match storytelling. And, you know, obviously not everyone's going to agree. And if you aren't a fan of the ones that go 30 plus, yep. you know, whatever, but this, this was a cool match. I, I really liked it. And yeah, I think that, you know, when you have ones that just make sense is yep. the only way to put it. Like it just worked. And we certainly love our 30 plus epics. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Just should... gotten all those match times and put them here to see <laughs> I mean, I know most of them off the top of my head, but yeah, I think this was about 44, 42-ish, but yeah, great shit. Uh, let's do a quick jump to WrestleMania. I can't remember. Did you watch WrestleMania? I picked and shoot. Like, pick, like, I watched like the Lashley match. I watched the Reigns-Brian-Edge. Which is what we'll jump yeah. into here. Yeah, main event of night two. Uh, Roman Reigns defeats Edge and Daniel Bryan. Awesome match, um, you know, especially for WWE, just great stuff. You know, it was originally supposed to be Reigns Edge. They throw Brian in there. Certainly no issue for me. Um, I do remember he stacked them both up and got the double pin. Uh, this was not a match I rewatched, but just one I definitely remember really liking. And that because WrestleMania night two, I thought kind of stunk. And uh, what, night one was good, I thought, for the most part. Uh, but this definitely saved it and just great shit. I don't know if you have anything to add. No, I again, I don't really keep up with it, but yeah, mainly as an outsider, I find Tribal Chief to be really entertaining. So, again, maybe it's just that I'm only catching it in small doses and skipping most of his matches. But I, yeah. I think Reigns is a fellow Georgia Tech guy, you know. I'd, Oh, yeah. A soft spot for him. There you go. And I thought Edge had an amazing year. His feud with Rollins. I'll get into the Hell in a Cell match later. Uh, but a nice comeback from him. 
Uh, just going to mention the Reigns Brian Daniel Bryan match from uh, SmackDown uh, April 30th, career ender. Great, great TV match. Very emotional. I mean, everyone knew Danielson <laughs> Bryan was going to lose. Not everyone knew that he was going to come to AEW and truly be one of the best, if not the best wrestlers in the world. We'll get to that. Um, just a couple other mentions from the month, and I'll just let you chime in accordingly if you want. That would be Walter again versus Rampage Brown, who was a guy we had no idea who he was, and he's a beast. And then the Young Bucks against Pac and Ray Phoenix. I mentioned that match earlier. Uh, Abushi losing the heavyweight championship to Will Ospreay at Sakura Genesis. And then a dynamite match, uh, Hakaru Shida defending her women's championship against Ty Conti. Um, all good stuff here. Anything you want to touch on on any of these matches? I mean, definitely the uh, the Ty Conti Shida one I thought was just a really good, hard hitting you know, women's match. You saw a lot of cool striking combinations in there, some cool submission stuff. And for a TV match, I Again, I was more hooked than usual, so I really like that. And the uh, Ibushi Osprey match it seemed kind of divisive on Reddit when it happened, but you definitely I, like this one more than me. I think I was just yeah. super bummed that Ibushi lost too. Like it, uh, I think I handed it four and a quarter, and maybe that affected you know my emotions affected that a little bit. But uh, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I think for me, it kind of reminded me even though it wasn't as good of like Okada Naito at Wrestle Kingdom 12, or even Okada Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom nine, where you had a match that there was the guy that you wanted to win or the guy that you felt that sort of made sense to win. And just watching the match is like, Oh, like, like I was locked in to it enough. It's like, no, like, come on. Like, yeah. Pick up the pace of Bushi. Like I was, I was marking hard during this one. So like, as much as I, I was annoyed, Abushi didn't win. It was something that, it like worked. Mentally, I was coming from a place of like Ibushi wasn't ready to go. Like he yeah. didn't deserve to win based on how he performed. So yeah, and that may I, be I was one, locked in. Yeah, that may be one I need to rewatch like now without kind of any bias of him losing, you know, because obviously yeah. just two incredible workers and they've had some amazing matches in the past. So good shit. Let's get into May and hell, let's just start off with it since we already talked about it. The rematch for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Will Ospreay again defeats our boy Shingo Takagi. I think this one went about 44, 45 minutes. But in both of our top fives, it was number one for me for a while. Um, I guess that kind of gave away it's not number one for me now. But, um, yeah, just go ahead. I know you kind of already started talking about it earlier, but what a fucking incredible epic match. Yeah, I mean, it's up there for me. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's one of the best matches I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I, I think I texted you one day, and like I just I watched the first match these guys had from 2019. And just decided to watch all four, oh, which back to back. Just want to butt in real quick. That 2019 yeah. one is just that's the best still. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Just watch watching all these and just how these how good these two guys are together. Like this. Yep. And again, I think it is like for that style that we both really like, this is kind of the best execution of it or one of the best execution of it that you're going to see. So, yes, again, just super athletic, fast paced, crazy moves, cool ideas, clever combinations, like just two guys that just get what they're doing in, in, a, in a way that I think you know, other guys don't really do, 
And again, other than Omega and Okada, perhaps the best chemistry between two wrestlers out there today. Um, Yeah, again, another one I was bummed that Shingo didn't win, but kind of didn't expect him to win this one since Osprey had just won the title. Um, Unfortunately, it was Osprey's last match before having to vacate the belt. Uh, But yeah, and this is one like, while it's not number one for me of the year, I would probably put it ahead of maybe anything above it in like an all-time rankings list. Cause like you said, it really is just one of the best and, you know, bias and emotions and whatnot kind of get in the way of like, no, I think it's three and this is two because of this. And we'll get into a little bit of that, but just from in a vacuum. Yeah. This is probably one of the best 40 matches of all time. No doubt. Um, yeah. Just fucking amazing. So Let's uh, talk a little AEW here where we had double or nothing. But before that, uh, the Young Bucks versus SCU. And this is Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Talk about emotional. Um, Coming into the match, it was basically like if SCU does not win the tag team championships, they will disband, I think was it. Or, you know, they're they're done. If if they lost, period. Yeah. yeah. I I can't remember what prompted Kazarian to say it. But, yeah, so it was – a lot of emotion going into this match, and I loved it. Yeah, and we'd typically seen Kazarian and Scorpio Sky together, you know, because they were the first tag team champions. But to see the legend Christopher Daniels, and obviously he's got so much history with the Young Bucks, uh, to see him out there. And I know there was a lot of, I think Daniels, or Daniels bled a lot in this one, I can remember. Um, yeah. You know, this isn't one I've gone back and rewatched, but like he's like in the moment definitely one that stuck out of like yeah that was fucking tight um so double or nothing we had a few great matches um we watched this one together yes you were of us you were in cincinnati yeah, yeah that was that was awesome and that was the first show with like full fans at daly's place i think it kicked off with uh hangman and brian cage which was an awesome match not on our lists but just a great match uh, but three that are um, were the Young Bucks against uh, Moxley and Kingston in an awesome uh, emotional tag match that really kind of made Eddie Kingston. I rewatched this one again. Not that he needed being made at this point, but like as a baby face, like this was kind of Kingston's coming out party. Like he was getting even bigger reactions than Mox and uh, just an incredible match. Um, Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker. Britt finally wins the title and ends just an amazing run from Sheeta about a year. And then unfortunately wasn't seen on television for about four months. I still have no fucking idea why, but good match there. And then the semi-main event with Kenny Omega defeating Pac and Orange Cassidy in the first AEW triple threat match. Uh, Dan Callis breaks up a pin on Orange Cassidy at one point. That fucking bastard. Um, oh, that's Pac. But, um, no, great shit all around. Uh, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I'm about to jump on Sheeta, Sheeta Britt. This is one that I'll admit I got worked pretty hard and thinking that you know, I wanted Sheeta to retain, and yep. she didn't. And I, I was I was pissed, and I was <laughs> I was pulling for her. And, you know, I, I, Britt's over, and I think, you know, yeah, maybe it made sense to start Britt's time uh, that she's having now, but I've – I, I was happy with the Sheeta thing, and I was oh, sad yeah. to see her lose there. I think the time was right, though, for that. I mean, everyone knew Britt was going to be champ, you know, for a, a long time coming. But, 
Yeah, I definitely remember, you know, we liked that one, I think, better than most. I would say, you know, I think better than Cage Match and others. But yeah, just a great match. Um, anything else from any of the from that show? Um, just another, I, I agree with you on the, the opener. I think Hangman and uh, the Machine, Brian Cage, just kind of slept on at this point in the year. But just, you know, Hangman having a really solid match and solidifying himself. Because, again, I think for guys like us, you know, we were obviously, like, locked in and committed, but just winning over more people, like, hey, this guy is the future. Yeah. And, you know, this guy's the present now. Yeah, and his, you know, revolution, if you remember, he had the match against Matt Hardy, you know, which wasn't like a signature match. It was fine. But, yeah, like, he needed kind of these bigger wins that to set him on the trajectory of winning the world title. And, yeah, I thought that was a great one. And, uh yeah, the Kenny Pack Phoenix uh, was or Kenny Pack Orange Cassidy was just a lot of fun. Orange and Pack had their rivalry already. Kenny and Pack has had a rivalry, um, and I just thought they executed that match very well. You know, I think no one thought Kenny was actually going to lose, but there were a few convincing near falls and uh, provided just a very fun match um, before the main event, which was the stadium stampede match, which I don't think we really need to get into. It wasn't as good as last year's, but it was still fun. I do want to mention one thing just because Bo and I loved it when they busted into Urban Meyer's office, which he's gone now. And our boy, Charlie Strong, former Louisville coach was in there and Jericho busts in and we just loved the Urban Meyer going, holy shit. And now he's go- and then Jericho is like, have a great season as he walked out. And he sure didn't have a great season. Um, but well, I, I know I've mentioned to you and to other people how hilarious it would be. And, you know, it would never happen. But if like Urban Meyer had gotten fired on Dynamite. Oh, like dude. if like Kingston or Brit came out. Dude. Yeah. I, I remember I made a tweet like a joke that there was one. One dynamite, I can't even remember what the announcement was, but they build Tony Khan has a special announcement. And this was the week after the Urban Meyer, like doing the shit in the bar with the woman in Ohio, like all that stuff was in the news. So I tweeted like, what if his big (laughs) announcement was firing Urban Meyer live on TNT? (laughs) I don't even remember what the announcement was at that point, but I really wished it would have been that. But uh, uh just because we brought up Stadium Stampede, we wanted to at least mention the Blood and Guts match, which was supposed to be the year prior um, before COVID hit. And, um, you know, I think it – I don't want to say it disappointed because, you know, it, it was still really fun and good. And, you know, when you're going that long on television, you know, there were a lot of commercials that kind of – I don't want to say killed the momentum, but, you know, it would have been much better without them, no doubt. Um and of course, the ending with Jericho landing on the pads and all the, you know, the attention that got and whatnot, you know, I think is fine. Like, you know, it was it was a it was a crazy bump. But uh, what'd you think of the blood and guts match? I think I said before like, we talked, I liked it better than Stadium Stampede. I, I think we throw the term around a lot, but it was definitely a war. Like, yeah, like maybe being there, catching it uninterrupted might even bump it up and. Again, I I'm bought in enough for most of the stories they're telling that I I didn't really mind the Jericho thing, but I can't yeah, really I fault either. anybody that was just because yeah yeah it did look kind of goofy, but as a fan, I also don't want Jericho actually getting hurt. Correct. And like you know what, 
they'll do better next time. Whatever. It's, it's but fine the me. good drama there with he and MJF on the top of the cage. And I think, wasn't it Sammy who the one who like had to call out cause you had to like quit. So yeah. he was, so yeah, there was, there was that. And it obviously led to a huge rivalry between MJF and Jericho. So I would agree definitely better than stadium stampede and one that I would love to see without commercials. Uh, one more match to mention just quickly, since we're going to get more into these guys later. And it's our first from all Japan pro wrestling. And that is Jake Lee defeating Kento Miyahara in the champion carnival final uh, heel Jake Lee. I remember being really impressed with him here. Not a guy I've seen a ton, but this was kind of the first performance that was a little more eye-opening for me f- with him. I mean, yeah, because I think in a lot of the matches we'd seen before, it, you know, because Kento's character has some similarities to Okada and just being that really cocky ace type of figure. And except I'd, I'd go as far as say Kento is even goofier and cockier and more flamboyant but he's, he's got a little naito in him i feel like you know like we've talked yeah. about, he's a lot of okada but with a little naito in him as well yeah and I, I, I think he's definitely his own thing like it's very it's For a sure. fresh take like it's not derivative no no but, and i didn't mean to say yeah. that but yeah i i just again like give the guy his credit because he's a phenomenal wrestler yes but and, it, it was like the first time in a while where like Kento didn't have kind of that moxie that, you know, really like, like he, he was, he was getting dominated by Jake Lee this match. And this is a guy who he'd beaten a bunch of times before in big matches and whatever it was for Jake flipping the switch. in this one was really cool to watch. Agreed. It was pretty tight. Let's slip into June here. We already talked about Shingo Okada from Dominion. So let's get into a match that we watched together in Atlanta uh, when I visited earlier this month. And surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly, but one that ended up in your top five. I did. I just did not expect that. Um, and that is back to stardom. Shuri versus Utami Haya, Utami Hayashashita. <laughs> Hayashashita. I think that's it. Hayashashita. Utami Hayashashita. This was definitely a match that kind of blew up all over the interwebs on Reddit, cage match, everything, um, you know, kind of couldn't stop hearing about it. Um, and, you know, I'd already gotten into stardom a little bit earlier in the year. I think you were kind of a little behind me on that. But, you know, once I started hearing about it and reading about it, and I think Dave gave it five and a half stars or something like that. And it was like a nine five plus on cage match. I'm like, OK, this match must be something. And it sure is. Um, you went five stars. I went four and three quarters, but it's right there. It's I have it even rated higher than some of my uh, five star matches. Um, I have it at I have it at 14 and you had it at four. And I yeah, before you kind of give your take like, yeah, from seeing two women just beat the shit out of each other like that. And it ended in a double double KO. It went the 30-minute time limit. They kept going, and neither woman could answer the 10 count about 44, 45 minutes in, and just so well done. But, uh, yeah, a a bona fide top fiver for you, huh? I mean, yeah. Again, like I think a lot of the things that everything else that I've got, you know, in in the top 10 or so, like this was a match that did all those things. You know, they, they didn't waste time. They didn't waste movement. They, I mean, there were some nasty bumps in this one too. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, they're like that 
one German suplex or something from the outside onto the apron of the ring, like just something that looked like murder. Like it was, <laughs> I know, I just know, I because I remember you we, when we were watching together, like, yeah, this is pretty good. And I'm like, no, dude, this is really good. <laughs> yeah, again, I was surprised you liked it that much more than me, and I really like it. But you know, we've yeah. kind of talked about like when we rate stuff and to get the five. You know, something's just got that's there's that intangible feeling or like it's all got to click and come together. And, you know, for whatever reason, for me, I just felt there was just some well, I don't know what it was. But again, it's incredible. You know, yeah, like th- we don't, this match was we don't need to get into yeah. that. But uh, and I think similarly with you and another match we'll talk about. I had it five. You had it four, seven, five. But you have it rated higher than some of your fives because it just is what it is. But uh just incredible stuff. There was a rematch just yesterday as we're recording this on Thursday, the 30th. I did see a spoiler on who won, unfortunately. Oh, don't tell me. I'm not going to tell you, but I happened to see something. Um, haven't been able to find the match yet. It's not up on Stardom World yet, but can't wait to watch that. Um, let's mention a couple uh, Dynamite matches from June that uh, I had both at four and a half stars, and that would be Kenny Omega and Jungle Boy for the title, AEW World Championship after Jungle Boy uh, won a battle royal to become number one contender, and MJF and Sammy Guevara. Um, I just remember right now just picturing MJF tombstoning Sammy off the ropes and Sammy kicking out like they did some big shit in that match. And I just remember thinking like this feels like a pay-per-view match. I mean, I think, again, out of the two, I preferred MJF Sammy. And I think the big thing for me is that like, I just wanted Sammy to win so bad that like, yeah. I, I was I, I didn't need to think twice to buy in and just the whole way. Like there was the one uh, where I think Sammy jumped from like, what was it the top rope over the guardrail? And I think it's in like the dynamite entrance or it was. It's Oh yeah. The theme. Yes. Like, they, they really went all out on this one. So I, I, I was really impressed. And, you know, de- as someone that was excited about Sammy before, like this definitely bumped him up a notch. So that was always good to see. You added it at 42, 61 for me. Yeah, Kenny Jungle, I, I'm definitely a bigger Jungle Boy guy than you. Um, and when he's had some of these showcase singles matches, like the guy, he just shows you how great he is and can be. Um, and I think that, you know, he's 23, 24. He's only going to get better. Um, and he's he's really shown up in some of these big matches. And again, not one I rewatched, not one I can even really think of various things that happened at this point, but I just remember being locked in, you know, a couple big near falls again, no one, we knew jungle boy wasn't winning that match, but uh, just a very impressive showcase. And uh, you know, he's clearly going to be a singles champion, maybe even in 2022. I mean, not the AEW title yet, but you know, get him a TNT run, see what happens. I'd love to see him beat Cody. You know, I think that could be a great person to beat Cody and, you know, and, I don't know who, how long his reign's going to go or what he's going to be doing, but uh, yeah, Jungle Boy's only going to keep getting better and better. Same with Sammy and MJF. I mean, let's just three of the pillars, you know, like these guys are unbelievable. Um, and uh, more to come from all on this list. So, a couple others, um, just quickly mentioning since we talked about them earlier in the tag match. Katsuhiku Nakajima and Masa Kitamiya in a in I believe the first cage match in pro wrestling Noah history is that correct? Do you remember that? I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised with th- how traditional they are. I think it was. Um, 
Um, this was also a hair versus hair match, right? Yeah, this and this Kitamias, was physical. Kitamias got the surprising W. I don't think either of us saw that coming. I mean, I'll, I think the thing that goes to mention is Kitamia did a uh, was the back senton off the top of the cage. Yes, I couldn't remember. I knew there was a yeah. big spot off the cage. Yeah, that's a big boy coming down. I was like, man, I hope he's okay because he's going <laughs> to feel that for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the unfortunate part is that Nakajima had to cut his hair, and I just loved that long, greasy-looking hair that he'd had for a lot of 2020. I mean, it just really kind of yeah. added to the character. Uh, but after this match, he goes on to have uh, one of the best second halves of the year behind Brian Danielson, and I'd say <laughs> Nakajima in my top three of the year, and I think probably in yours, too. Yeah, I mean, I think both of these guys, but especially Nakajima, is someone who you know, I, I knew going into this year was really good, and he just continued to perform like a top guy. He's and we're going awesome. to get a lot more into him soon. And crazy to think he is still only 33 years old because he has been doing this shit in main events for Noah since he was 18. So it's crazy. He's just now in his prime, and I can't wait to talk more about him here in a bit. And then a match that I did not watch, that I wanted to, but did not get to, that you did, and that is from Impact, TJP against Josh Alexander. And it the match was a 60-minute Ironman, right? Like, it it wasn't a that. It was a draw, and it kept they they went into overtime. Okay, okay. I knew I knew it went into overtime. I was familiar with it, but yeah. I wasn't sure if it was Iron Man and was a tie and went. So it was a draw that they gave extra time, which I love. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, let uh, love to hear your thoughts on that because Alexander's a guy we talked right before we hit record. Like he's been the ace of impact this year. Our buddy High Five Tom fucking loves him. I think it's his favorite wrestler of the year. A guy that, you know, he may not make this list for us a lot, but we've got our eyes on him, and we've been very impressed every step of the way. Um, but, yeah, what would you think of this match? I mean, it's just, again, it's, it's tough to go an hour. You know, I know there's some other matches on our list that are comparable length. And yeah, staying intriguing, you know, not getting caught up, you know, in a rest hold or something. Because, again, like, you got to keep the audience's attention. These guys did it. I think, you know, the lack of, you know, an involved crowd kind of hurt this match. And mm. I'm not a huge fan of the impact presentation. So, yeah, you know, again, not really things that are in these two guys control, but just sort of things that I think COVID really exposed how much, you know, it plays into how we enjoy wrestling is that, you know, having the crowd there and just, you know, things having a certain presentation to it that does involve a lot of people being there or like a lot of energy outside the match supplements it so much. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I probably will go back and watch this one at some point, but uh, all right, July. Um, we already talked about the Shingo Tanahashi match. Uh, so we can skip past that. Let's just very quickly touch on the rivalry through this month um, between the Dangerous Techers, which is Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. against Naito and Sonata. Uh, they had basically they paired both all four of them up for the two singles matches against each other. And they had two tag title matches, um, which the culminator was at uh, Wrestle Grand Slam in the Tokyo Dome as well, just like Shingo Tana. And this one went like 37, 38 minutes. I mean, this, you know, New Japan definitely 
was playing into these big epic main events since COVID returned. And I mean, more often than not, I'm definitely a fan. And this was a match. I feel like a lot of people online were criticizing. It didn't need to be that long or it's way too long. You know what? I didn't feel that way. I was, I was engaged. I was locked in. It remind, you know, it's not as good, but reminded me of those nineties, all Japan tags where you got all these great guys together. And you know, these four aren't quite on the level as the four pillars from there, but pretty damn close. I love me some fucking Tai Chi. Um, but yeah, I guess boy Tai Chi. Yeah. Hell yeah. But uh, you know, I can't even really remember too many specifics of the match, but I just remember it was, they fucking went at it and it was great. Um, anything you can recall or want to discuss from that? I mean, I think it's thinking the, what they did with this feud is something that you know I'd like to see a bit more of because you know you think of how them getting these pairings of guys that are kind of good on their own and say, hey, let's run back some tag versions of these matches because you think back to 2018 where you had the Kenny Ibushi tag team fighting the Young Bucks, fighting Okada and Ishii, fighting Tanahashi and Osprey. Like you just had these. You know, I mean, in that case, maybe even more random tag matches, but, you know, just cranking out four, five, four, seven, five, five star matches just all the time. And I, again, I think it was one of the hottest stretches of wrestling that we've ever watched. So I think them doing this kind of reminded me of that. And I want to see more of it. Hell yeah. Um, just a quick mention to Tomohiro Ishii and Yuji Nagata from earlier this year, one that I initially had at 475 that I bumped down after rewatching, but just an awesome war between those two veterans. Um, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly in their second match of the year, just a standard great wrestling match at the Great American Bash. Um, Omega, Kenny Omega versus Sammy Callahan from Impact. I know you didn't watch it, but just a war with a lot of weapons. It was brutal. Um, reminded me of the Sammy Callahan Pentagon match from a few years ago. Another one I know you didn't watch was the men's money in the bank ladder match. Um, who all was even in that biggie? Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, KO. Um, let's see, there's a couple of Matt Riddle, Nakamura, John Morrison. So, and Rollins. So, eight guys, just a great spot fest, you know, tons of crazy moves. You know, when you got Ricochet in there, obviously that was a ton of fun, especially since he hasn't done too, too much uh, on the main roster, but uh, a very fun one there. Um, what, and then I know you wanted to, do, oh, real quick, Mara Fuji versus Sugura in Noah. That was a title defense by Mara Fuji. Uh, great stuff there. And then I know you wanted to talk about the Darby versus Ethan Page coffin match as well. Yeah, again, I think this was something that and we mentioned a lot, kind of had that pay-per-view feel to it on just an episode of Dynamite, really intense match. I think, you know, as much as Darby is notorious for all the crazy stuff he does, and he does a lot in this match, including jumping through the coffin itself after the match. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's something that I think he's one of those guys, he does a lot of the little things really well, too. Like, I think I've mentioned it to you how – after the uh, Ambrose Triple H match from Roadblock a few years back, mm -hmm. how Ambrose was under the ropes when he was pinning Triple H, and you watch closely, like Darby's always like making those small adjustments, going for pins, and there's just little things like that that you watch, and like you see, like, as flashy as this guy is, like he's he's sound and just a lot of fun to watch. So I I really like this match. It's 
train wreck at times in the best way. Oh, yeah. Ton of fun. You know, we were having a lot of fun with Ethan Page this summer being very upset. And I certainly missed the days where Dan Lambert wasn't around. And Lambert's definitely done some good shit. And he made me laugh again last night. But it's just kind of it's not given Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky what the, it's just holding them down a little bit like they just don't need that guy. So hopefully we get to see more from them without Dan Lambert in the near future. And then one other I just wanted to mention was the big five-on-five elimination match between the Elite and the Dark Order and Hangman Page, which I definitely thought, and I think a lot of people thought, that the Dark Order would win that was going to set up the title match between Kenny and Hangman at All Out, but that did not happen. And it ended up Hangman three-on-one against Kenny and the Bucks. I know he ended up pinning one of them. Um but this was it was a really fun match. The stakes were high. I mean, I think, you know, it might have been a little better had it been a little more dramatic down towards the end and a little closer. But, you know, I think they caught us off guard with that and it worked. Um, but, yeah, anything you want to add on that one? I mean, I, I think like you, I really I was I was definitely hoping for Hangman and the Dark Order to pull, our order to pull it off. But mm-hmm. I know even as the match was going on, you're just thinking like, you look at which Dark Order guys are out there and something that, you know, pretty much like the four weakest guys in the match, kayfabe are Dark Order guys and four of the five strongest guys in the match, kayfabe are elite guys. So mm-hmm. like, in a way, like it might've been a little too much for him to get there that way, but yeah, again, we're Dark Order AF. So yeah, know, as a we, fan, we were on board. Yeah, as a fan, I was just fired up and I'm like, yeah, it's going to happen. And then Silver and Reynolds will challenge the Young Bucks. You know, it just felt like it was going to go that way. But then, if, you know, this was the plan all along and Hangman took some time off to have his child and, you know, came back and won the Battle Royal and, you know, the rest is history. But, uh, yeah, let's slide into August and let's kick it off with uh, that match I was talking about earlier where uh, it's five for me and not for you, but we both love it. And that is Ilya Dragunov versus Walter. And Ilya finally gets the W ending the near eight or the over 800 plus day reign as Walter is UK champ. Um just just amazing stuff i mean talk about beating the piss out of each other both men's chests were blood red i mean Ilya never gave up kept going kept going he obviously lost the match between the two of them last year which i thought was actually a little bit better of a match it didn't have a crowd um this one did and it certainly aided it no doubt but that first one just you know they both blew me away but the first one did even more so but was very, very happy to see Ilya get the W here. And uh, he taps out Walter as well, which uh, I don't think was something anyone saw coming, but it made sense. Uh, just an amazing match. I have at number five and you have at number 10. But uh, what do you think? I mean, again, I think the last one was that tiny bit better, but just stiff. Mm. It's just yes. a really good pairing of two guys, like, similar to the – Osprey Shingo or Omega Kata pairs that these guys work really well together. I know they have some pre WWE matches. Yeah, a lot that, of matches in Europe, you know, prior to all this yeah. for sure. But yeah, I because I think the the match they had last year probably was my number two or number three like then, and it was mm-hmm. I, I, these guys are just so so tight, so smooth, like but like also just so brutal at the same time. Like these guys. 
are a great pair. And I think especially Ilya is someone that, you know, prior to seeing him, we hadn't really seen anybody like that. And yeah. I don't, yep. I don't, I'll admit, I don't really get his gimmick, but whatever, like whatever his deal is, just, I think I was telling Tom about it. Like this guy just has this force of will. Yeah. That whatever of, it is, like I'm bought in, like heart just of keep a champion. doing it. Yeah. yeah. Heart of a champion, fighting spirit. Yeah. Just incredible stuff. Um, let's stick with NXT UK for a sec. Uh, a kid who I was very impressed with this year against Jordan Devlin in a 30 minute Ironman match. Awesome stuff there. I don't believe you watched that one, right? I know they had another match, but, um, yeah, I saw a different one. Uh, let's quickly jump into the, I don't even remember the name of the show, but the new Japan show, the new Japan strong show, uh, that was headlined by a match that you loved, um, Tanahashi and Lance Archer for the U.S. Championship, which Archer had just beaten John Moxley for on Dynamite, actually. And then another great match from that show, Tomohiro, ah, Tomohiro Ishii against Moose from Impact Wrestling. Uh, but why don't you dive into Tanahashi Archer? Because I know you ended up having this in your top 20, and I think you went five stars on it. And, you know, Certainly not one that the masses felt that strongly about. And I think I had it at four and I really liked it, you know, but uh, what made it so special to you? I mean, yeah, like you said, I think the cage match, like I saw it as like a sub seven, but it was something that going into the match, I was definitely riding the Lance Archer high. We were all on like just happy for this guy getting his moment. And then as I'm watching the match, I'm thinking like, wait, this is going on last. It's a new Japan show. Tanahashi has to win but then at, at the same time just kind of going to that mental place mm. and just like locking in as someone just watching it just to watch it and just like Tanahashi pulling all his all his tricks out and again I, mean, I don't I wouldn't say that there is anything that's any one thing that's that special or unique but it was just a really well executed match that you know especially by the halfway point I was locked in and one to see Tanahashi win and buying into all the near falls. So like it was like, I, I gave it a five and it's on the lower end of the fives. I think but so just something that I, like when I was done watching, I was like that, that was a perfect wrestling match. Like, that was exactly what I want to see. So there you go. Love it. Love it. So a few more from August want to touch on just cause we don't have a ton of time here and, you know, figured we'd be going long, but a um, couple Rampage matches, Kenny, Omega, and Christian. Uh, Christian getting the W on the first edition of Rampage for the Impact Championship. Definitely a huge moment there and the first loss for belt collector Kenny Omega. Um, a couple weeks later at a show I was at in Milwaukee, we got to see the Lucha Bros defeat uh, Jurassic Express for the number one contendership. Just an amazing, it was like a 12-minute match, but just awesome. Great being in the building for that one. And now it looks like that rematch may be coming. Um, this is one we, Bo and I talked a good amount, and I got to watch it with you and just want to get just a brief take on, and that is Gato Move, Choco Pro, Emi Sakura against May Saruga, both of which ended up in AEW kind of doing some dark matches this year. But um, you know, just the setup of Choco Pro, just so unique. You know, they're in what appears to be like a classroom with a mat on the floor, you know, and just using walls and windows and everything to their advantage and just a lot of comedy in this as well. But 
Um, you know, ended up like a 35, six minute match, you know, first third was very comedy driven. And then they were fucking just going at it down the stretch there. And, uh, had a lot of fun watching that one with you down in Atlanta. Cause again, it's just like, this is wrestling, but it's just so different from what you're used to seeing. I mean, they're not in a ring. It's just a small mat and not a lot of room. And there's like 12 people in there and it's being filmed on a cell phone, but Again, something I knew nothing about and was just absolutely blown away by this year. I mean, like you said, it's just different. Like I, I still like I. There's part of me like I, again, I'm intrigued. Like what I respect about it so much is that it is trying to take the essence of wrestling and just like how can we do it different and yep. like how can we put our own spin on it? Because again, like you think with all the guys we're mentioning, like all oh, they have all these crazy moves or they go 30 minutes doing telling these epics, you know, for all these other companies that, you know, if they don't have a Shingo or they don't have a Daniel Bryan, how do they stand out and how do they do something to catch people's attention and tell stories that people care about? So again, I, I don't know how much more of it I want, but I hope that they continue doing it. Like they, like, it's a really clever idea. And I think that that kind of experimentation is, you know, the key to, you know, this moving forward. Absolutely. I had it at 37 on my list. I loved it. Um, let's just get, let's just get to September here, but just matches I want to mention, and you can talk about one of them from August. Still, we had, uh, Segura versus Masato Tanaka and Noah, just a 36 minute slug fest between two old veterans. Amazing. Josh Alexander and Jake something from impact and Jake something is someone I got to see at an indie show up in Milwaukee and was just a sweet match here. Um, Konosuke Takeshita against our boy Jun Akiyama to win uh, the DDT championship. And we're going to get more into Takeshita and DDT as we get down the stretch. And then one that I know you'll probably want to mention is Hiromu Takahashi versus Doki. And this was Hiromu's match, first match coming back after tearing his pec. And we got to watch this one together down in Atlanta. And uh, I bumped it up from a four and a half to four and three quarters. And it is just a ton of fun. I mean, I don't know what it is, but Doki just hates Hiromu. And after uh, after last year's Best of Super Juniors match, I was pretty excited to see this. So I, I like this. They had another one in this year's Best of Super Juniors. I really like that. Just awesome find, like a random one-off. On, I don't even know what show it was, but it was an amazing match. Yeah, Doki's tight. Doki Chalky. Um, let's get into September, which is going to be big and it's crazy. We've taken so much time and the back half of the year is so much better. So, uh, I don't think we're going to be able to get to talk about everything at length that we want to, but we're having a ball here. So let's, let's get through September before we attack the G1, cause that'll be its own thing and we'll quickly go through it. But September starts with all out. Um, with one of both of our top five matches of the year, no doubt, and one that I've talked a lot about on the show, and that was the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers in the cage. Just insane. Um, also that night, we had the return of CM Punk against Darby Allen, and then we had another Kenny and Christian match in the main event, and then one that we both loved from because we're New Japan boys was Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. Um, but let's talk about the cage match first, since that one you had, uh, well, we'll save the numbers for now because we'll go at the end, but top five for both of us. And I've said it, just watching that with Bo made it so special for me. 
because that's the most locked in and into a match he's been by far since we started doing this. And that it just, it was crazy. It was beautiful. It had everything. It was insane. Yeah. I, I, hopefully for the, for uh, the next one of these, I can catch that with, with him. Cause again, like, I, like you said, with the group being it adds, dialed it in, adds to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, this was easily the best tag match of the year for me. Like I've, I thought these guys just did a bunch of a lot of clever and creative stuff. You know, it's again, I I'm not a huge young bucks guy, but there just, there are those moments for me where it clicks and this one did a lot more than just clicks. So the the Jordan with the thumbtacks on it, all the super kicks, lots of blood Phoenix flying off the cage at the end, just incredible team moves as we always expect from these guys, but yeah, great shit. Um, and then another one that we both had at five stars that was in my top 10 and just outside of yours was Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, 30 minute time limit draw. I'd initially forgotten that this was not for the title. It was basically one of those title eliminator matches because I'd talked with someone, I think on our Christmas episode of like, why did this only go 30 and hangman Danielson go 60? That's why um, just Danielson's debut and boy oh boy I mean it couldn't have gone any better I don't think I mean obviously what they were going they wanted to do the draw and it was just it was perfect it was it was exactly what we wanted to see and uh I loved it yeah I think pretty much the only thing I can follow it up with I think this is the best Brian work that or at least my favorite maybe of all time like I I really 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 like this and both guys just looked awesome in this match. Chops, kicks, chops, kicks. The crowd was on fire the whole time. And yeah, it was, it, it was really something special. Um, and uh, just want to at least mention Shuri, who we talked about earlier. She had two incredible matches to win their Grand Prix tournament against Takumi Iroha and Momo Watanabe. Great stuff. Um so let's get into the G1 and talk as swiftly as we can about this because we've still got three more great months of shit to tackle here. Um, but obviously, let's just start with the final. I mean, it's kind of a bummer that it was Abushi versus Okada, and they're about 30 minutes into what was turning into a pretty great match. Um, and Abushi separated his shoulder, dislocated his shoulder, whatever it may be on a Phoenix Splash attempt. They have to stop the match. Um, it was a shame. But we did get a very exciting thing on the final as well, where shocking surprise return of Katsuyori Shibata in a grappling match. And uh, um, why don't you tell your kind of story of kind of how that came to be for you? I, I We were talking before. I was watching this show live. So I woke up probably like five or whatever. And so I, they, they did a mid-show break. And... I'm, I'm, I get back from cooking breakfast to, and I see ZSJ in white trunks and it would look, well, I think it's Ren Narita, who's one of the new Japan young lines that's off on excursions. Like what's, what's going on here? <laughs> so I rewind back and then they show it and Shibata comes out commentary has no idea what's going on. And, you know, they got, like, you know, Shibata is my favorite wrestler these days, even if he hasn't you know performed in almost five years until, you know, January 4th. And, just a really special moment to see this guy come out and go again. Like I've, I, I was really happy to see it. And I know I texted you as soon as like, dude, you have to watch this. Even if I gave you the wrong timestamp. 
Yeah, so just a five-minute grappling exhibition, but it was so cool and so great to see him. And yeah, you had texted me a certain time to start the show on, and whatever happened, I went there, and it was after the fact, and it was kind of spoiled for me, but I was actually happy that it worked that way because the final ended so sad you know it's like damn the wind got sucked out that i got to watch the shibata zsj thing after and kind of end on a happy note but um wanted to at least get all that out of the way and then really kind of the big stories of the tournament zach saber jr takes out naito in night one uh you know legitimate injury naito had to leave the tournament forfeit all his matches and then he kind of steamrolled through the first like half of the block and then on the other side, you had Jeff Cobb and an Okada on a collision course for their block final. Cobb was undefeated. Okada only one loss. So those really kind of set the table. Or those were kind of the driving storylines of the tournament. Obviously, Zach faltered down the stretch and Ibushi got into his fourth consecutive final, which had never been done. He was trying to win his third straight. And I think Okada was probably going to win that match anyway. Um, but I'm just going to run through the list of matches we had from here, and then we can just pick a few to kind of talk in depth about because we don't have a ton of time, and you know some of these kind of blend together. But um, I've got Shingo and Ishii from night one. That was a fiver for me in my top ten. Zack Sabre Jr. and Shingo, Abushi and Shingo, Kenta and Zack Sabre Jr., Abushi and Great Okan. We're definitely going to talk about that one. I already mentioned Zack Naito, Okada, and Tanahashi on day one of their block. Obviously, always great between those two. Zack and Ibushi, Ishii and Zack, Okada and Sonata, and Okada and Jeff Cobb, um, the block final there. But uh, let's start with Ibushi and Great Okan, because this is another one that you and I fucking loved this match, and it's so unique and different and kind of very similar to how Ibushi was wrestling the 2020 G1 where he was kind of adapting to the style of his opponents. And this was the first G1 for great Okan. And I thought he impressed, you know, showed his grappling and technique a lot, but that also he could stand and strike. And that was what this match was based upon was grappling and then just striking when you need to. And uh, shit, I think this one ended up in your top 10, uh, somewhere in the 30s for me, but uh, tell us what you thought about that one. Um, did we watch this one together? I don't think so, because I feel like I remember texting you about it and like knowing yeah. that you were going to love it. Because I, I can't remember. I just remember watching it, and I don't know. I just thought it was hypnotizing, man. Like I was, <laughs> was just sucked in. Like because for the first, the early part of the match, there really isn't a lot of contact. Like it's very much that mental chess match between the two guys trying to and get I, trying to get yeah. leverage yeah <laughs> and yeah it's i don't and then like once it finally got it got into the grappling like it was it was just super compelling and like it was something that yeah, i wouldn't describe it as particularly flashy and like not a ton of like no. big crazy moves just two guys that just managed to hook your attention and ran with it so i this this was one of my favorites for the year as soon as I saw it. And I I was surprised, like you said, that we were so much higher on it than 
everybody else. Like, I, yeah, yeah I, I think, think Dave. Yeah. I think Dave gave it three and three quarters, and yeah, cage match it was somewhere in the low eights. But yeah, we both fucking loved it. I had it at twenty eight, and you had it at nine. And yet just the uniqueness of it, you know, it's like that's just not a match and a style of match that you see every day. And they executed it perfectly. Um, Shingo Ishii, which I mentioned, was number nine for me. Uh, I want to bring this up because I was talking about like the crowds earlier. And this match for me was the loudest crowd noise I heard all year from two of from both of Shingo's pumping bombers. Like when he laid these two in, it literally sounded like he was chopping down a fucking tree. Um, and the crowds gasped so audibly both times. And, you know, obviously when these two get together every single time out, it's a war. They're beating the shit out of each other. They're doing all the big boy stuff, but man, they really had the crowd going for this one. And those pumping bombers at the end I've never heard them like that before. So just incredible shit. Um, any of those others you definitely want to touch on? I know we both had Zach and Shingo up pretty high and then they had this title match. And then Abushi Shingo was certainly a match that we'd been waiting for since last year's G1 and we're kind of robbed of from the Tokyo Dome because Abushi couldn't be there. But uh, anything you want to talk through here? Uh, I'm just going to give a quick shout out to my boy Goto and his match <laughs> against Okada on night eight. Okay. I think that, I think that, that, uh, you know, Goto might've had better matches in the tournament and I think Okada definitely did, but Goto's a guy who definitely appears to be on the downswing. And I think as much as anybody wrestling right now, like I just watch his matches and I want him to win yeah. and, well, and that you- kind of like, getting that kind of pull with the audience is kind of the highest compliment you can give a guy that like he might not win the title, but like you just want to see him win. And I Goto didn't win, but it was, I loved it. And I know I was pissed he lost. So one, as you know, as you know, the G and G one does stand for Goto. So when, while we're on that token, uh, let's mention Goto versus Yoshihashi. This was a four two fiver that ended up making my top 100 somewhere in the nineties. But just again, like two chaos members, you know, guys that in terms of like popularity and how good they are in the back half of this G one, probably, but Man, they put on a firecracker, and this was, I believe, Goto didn't have a win to this point in the G1, and Yoshihashi was, like, doing some of Goto's moves. Obviously, they're tag partners. They're challenging for the tag titles coming up, but this was almost, like, some disrespect from Yoshihashi a little bit towards Goto, and obviously, Goto ended up getting the W. Uh, This is one that I haven't rewatched, but I want to. Um, Just great, great shit there. A lot of emotion in that match. Yeah, so I, I know again, like that was one I was another just dialed in. Like I, yep. I have that at forty six for me. So I, Hell I yeah. loved it. It was somewhere in the nineties for me. Um, Zach Shingo. So this was, I believe, Zach's either second or third match, and loved this one because it ended with the tap out of the arm bar. But Zach was working the arm, working the arm the whole time. He's got him in these submission moves, but he can't ever get him in that point where he needs to. And I just loved how quick the tap out was on this one. It's like Shingo broke for just a split second and Zach was able to get the arm and he tapped immediately. And the commentary was great for this one. Just kind of talking about like how like he just needs that one inch. 
you know, and, you know, just one little thing can switch it. And obviously when you got a guy like Zach and he's grappling and getting submissions and he's so damn good. And uh, they referenced a match that the two had like in Germany, like over 10 years ago where Shingo, I guess, just demolished him. So there was that backstory coming in. Um, Just amazing stuff. And I'm just going to go ahead and bring up their power struggle match from November where Zach, since he beat Shingo, got the challenge for the title. And I actually like this one a little more because it is pretty similar, but there was the intensity was just ratcheted up times 10. And there was a lot more striking in this one, yeah. which obviously Shingo is going to outstrike, outstrike Zach seven days a week and twice on Sundays. But Zach stood in there and he was tough and he was still going for the submissions and he got a damn good near fall on a Zach driver and again, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Both of these two matches I thought were just excellent, but just the intensity, like him grabbing the arm and getting that tap out on match one was so amazing, but just, it was just a different level for this second one. Um, and I had the power struggle match at 19 and the G one match at 24. Uh, anything you'd like to add about those two? I mean, I was 26 and 29 and I think, the big thing I'll say is I agree with you that I really like when you get the well-executed fast tap out. I think it just hammers home that the guy who won the match locked in the move and just really like was the better man and didn't get lucky through trying to worm it into the right spot. Absolutely. And just quickly want to mention Kenta and Zack Sabre Jr. Kenta got the W, which was really one that that plus Zach losing to Tangaloa um, you know, caused him to not be in the finals, but we've talked a lot about this off air and that yeah. to me, Zach Sabre Jr. in his three matches with Kenta, each of the last three G1s are three of, if not my three favorite Kenta matches in since he's been in New Japan. And Zach just brings that fire out of Kenta for whatever reason. And you kind of get the flashback to the old Noah days. And there were just so many just slaps and just vicious strikes in this one. And, uh, I wish we could see that Kenta more, but, uh, you know, this was just great shit as all their previous ones have been too. But uh, I, know, I, know, I know going into the tournament, but like there was a little doubt with guys like Juice and Jay and Osprey not being there, but there was something that it, it still was an awesome tournament. Guys like G.O.D. even stepped up yeah. more than I think you could even expect. So I've, I was so happy with the G1 this year and just can't wait to see what happens for next year. Me too. Yeah. All things considered not having Jay Osprey juice, you know, other guys. And yeah, so many guys stepped up both Tomatonga Tangaloa. Like you said, Yoshihashi was great. Um, yeah. And Cobb, I mean, let's. Yujiro. Not, yeah. Like, U- U- was working hard. Big juice. Big I mean, juice. He, he beat. Abushi on night one. So, I mean, that's why no one thought Abushi was going to make the final. Um, and then Cobb's match with Okada in the block final. That's one I would like to rewatch. Um, I had it at like 51 or 52, somewhere around there. Um, I really, really wanted Jeff Cobb to win. And I know our boy Tom did as well. Uh, but what an incredible tournament for Jeff Cobb. Like just what a run. And it just legitimized him. I mean, it started back with the Shingo match at Wrestle Kingdom. And now this run in the G1, like he's, I don't want to say he's a made guy, but he is definitely on a much higher level than he was coming into 2021. That's for sure. So we've got three more months left of incredible shit. I mean, the back half of the year was a lot better than the front. So uh, 
let's do our damnedest to get through this here as quickly as we can or with as much time as you have because I know uh, we've got some favorites in this one. And let's kick off October with the first match in a two-match series that the second match is one of our favorites, but this one is as well. And that is our boy, again, Katsuhiku Nakajima against Keno, who we haven't talked about yet, the Congo brethren. Um, Keno, the leader of Congo, um, Nakajima came in, as we said earlier this year, I guess it was end of last year. He joined up. Um, and this was the final of the N1 victory tournament. They both had matches prior in the night. Uh, Nakajima defeated the old wily veteran Funaki and, uh, Keno had a great match with Kaito Kiyomiya. But then they meet in the finals, and uh, we have our boys Stuart and Mark on the call. And this was only a 20-minute just absolute banger. Um, I've watched it a few times now, um, especially given what happened in their later match. Like, this just this pairing of guys, and I'm going to get to it. Um, they, I, I fucking love them. I don't even know what else to say. Like, they work so well. There's the mutual respect because they are stablemates but then they also just want literally want to murder each other and the kicks, the slaps. I mean, I've never seen people kick as hard as them. And let's just mention it. Noah does such a great job of miking up their rings. Like it just sounds so good, like the slaps and everything. Uh, But these two left it all out there in the 20 minutes. I mean, I I can't believe it's only 20 because yeah, it's just a fucking great match was worried I'd steal your line on this, but I'm going to go ahead and say what uh, commentary did more kicks than a sneaker factory. Like these guys just, I mean, it's like, it's like the uh, Kobashi Sasaki match from 05 with the chops, but with kicks. I wish I could remember all of the great lines from Stuart Mark. I do actually have some notes on my phone for when we get to their <laughs> second match. Uh, it, by proxy. <laughs> more kicks than a sneaker factory. And what we will say is these two men are no mere mortals. My God, my God. And we'll get a little bit more into that when we hit November. But uh, yeah, incredible, incredible stuff and more to come. Uh, we may as well mention one week later, Nakajima defeats uh, Naomichi Marafuji to win the GHC Heavyweight Championship, his second reign. Um, just just top class stuff from these two. I mean, Mara Fuji, you know, he's 42, 43, but he can still wrestle like he's in his thirties. And just a guy that as we started digging more into old Noah and everything, who's really, you know, I just love watching that guy. He's really climbed my list of favorite wrestlers. And, you know, I don't even know if we've talked much about this, but worth mentioning, I saw a Reddit thread recently that kind of credited, not kind of, but flat out credited Mara Fuji and Kenta for a lot of the style we see today, you know, that kind of high speed strikes, you know, flying. Um, so, and then more, I thought about that and like watched other Mara Fuji matches. And obviously we've watched a lot of Noah Kenta. It's like, these guys really were innovators for that time. And now everyone's doing that type of shit. So, um, but yeah, just a really, really fun match that saw our boy Nakajima claiming the crown. Yeah, I, I don't have anything else to add. I, I really liked it too, and there's again two just two two legends that are still going right now. Like, absolutely, you are right about that. I had it at 31. I know it was a little lower on yours. Let's get into the Brian Danielson section of this month because he had two unbelievable matches. 
The first, which was a complete surprise, like announced the day fo- day of or day day before because TK was trying to compete with uh, WWE on Friday nights, and that was Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki on the Rampage buy-in, which was literally created to go up against WWE. And then just two weeks later, he defeated Eddie Kingston in just another knockdown drag-out affair. You know, these are two matches that, again, like, solidified Danielson as coming in here and truly being one of, if not the best wrestler in the world, you're seeing what he looked like in the old ring of honor days. And, you know, both of these, I think I had them at like 30 and 35 or something like that. Um, I think I like the Suzuki one a touch more. I think you like the Kingston one a little bit more. Um, but I, I wish you could see our faces because I've just got a big smile. I just don't even – it's just amazing. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, Brian's just been like, – it's one of those things that, I, again, I think we both had wanted to see him unleashed for so long. And yes. I don't think anyone doubted that he could do this, but it's more disbelief that we're actually seeing it. Yes, yes. You know, he's had, he had, what, four or five matches that stack up against pretty much anyone that's not Shingo's top four or five and even then Shingo's what half a step ahead so it it's it's amazing and I'm like we're lucky to, we're lucky to watch it man yes yeah I mean just the crowds for both of these especially this is I mean he and Suzuki just standing up and going toe to toe just fucking amazing um yeah just what like you said what else is there to say and we don't have a ton of time so we shall move on um, I want to mention quickly two matches I know you did not watch, and then we'll get into one that we both went four and three quarters on, and that is uh, Edge versus Seth Rollins' Hell in a Cell match. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, they had an amazing feud. Started at SummerSlam. We had Edge do the old brood entrance, which I thought was really fucking cool. Um, Edge won that one. Rollins got the victory on SmackDown, which was another great match, and it culminated in the Hell in a Cell at the Crown Jewel event, which uh, normally was kind of a shitty event every year, but it was actually pretty good this year, and that match was brutal. It was well-worked, you know, kind of felt like a Hell in a Cell of old to some degree, and uh, yeah, just awesome. And then from AAA in Mexico, we had the Lucha Brothers defeating El Hijo Vikingo and Laredo Kid and what was just an insane spot fest, you know, just so many big flying moves, um, just very fun. But then want to very briefly talk about the rematch between from All Japan between Jake Lee and Kento Miyahara, and this went the distance, our time limit draw, um, but we both really, really liked it. I think this was uh, like this happened the night before I. Like I, I think it was I had something maybe it was like I was hopping on a call with you and I was watching this before that, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And then I just again like got sucked into it, and I think it, it, it's a bit flawed in some of the delays they have in the match. But I know while watching it, I was just so hooked in. It's like this. Me too. Is amazing. Like I like it, Jake Lee as the new heel character he's been running with this year is just physically dominant over Kento in a way that you know this guy just didn't have didn't have an answer for it. And it was it was a really compelling hour draw for me. Yeah, and like you'd mentioned earlier, like when you go an hour, you know, there's gonna be some lulls, but if you can kind of keep that attention and they kept mine for sure too. 
Um, you know, maybe one too many big near falls down the stretch. Um, you know, they, it was definitely a bit telegraphed. Uh, but yeah, I got no complaints. Probably not one I'll rewatch. Um, maybe like another hour draw or two hour draws that are here later on the list that I've rewatched already, one of which twice. Um, but yeah, good stuff between them. And we've talked about this. Like, I would like to see there's just not enough from all Japan aside from these two guys that really has our interest yet, but maybe they'll get it. And, uh, you know, we'll be intrigued with uh, anytime these two guys lace them up. So let's get to November. We've got two more months left and we've got some fucking bangers that are very, very high up on our lists. And uh, since we just talked about it, let's do it. Let's go. One hour draw. Katsuhiku Nakajima and Keno in the rematch from the N1 victory final. In between, we just mentioned how Nakajima had won the GHC heavyweight title. And in between this time, Keno also won the GHC national title. Uh, from Masaki Machizuki um, in a fun match. So this reminiscent of last year where Go Shiyazaki was the champion against the national champion, Keno, again. They go one-hour draw. So we're coming into this. We pretty much know it's going to be an hour draw. You know, like, we, you don't know for sure, but... We're thinking draw or we're thinking there, like, maybe some sort of shenanigans. But even then, like, Noah doesn't do that a lot for the big matches. So like, it it does feel to be the most likely outcome. So, yes, but all that having said, we're still fucking excited because of the match they just had. We know Go Shiyazaki's laying in the wings. I mean, he's been out. He'd been out since March and had one of the best runs in 2020 of any wrestler in the world last year. So, you know, he's coming back. And yes, this match did go an hour and it's in both of our top three and holy shit, I have just never, ever, ever in my life seen anything like that for one hour to go that hard with almost no breaks. I mean, you had the moment where one of my favorite moments where uh, Keno does the dragon screw leg whip from the apron down to the ground and he slams him into the guardrail. And then he does the, the PFS, which is like the double stop from the top out of the ring through a table. And like, obviously, and then he's just, Kenner's just slamming Nakajima on the ground outside. Like that's kind of the only moment where there's any break because, you know, obviously it just, you gotta, those are big moves. You gotta shake them off, but Holy shit. Um, let's, why don't you get into it? Cause I do actually, I watched this again last night for the third time. (laughs) I was a little buzz, but go ahead. Cause I've got a few notes I want to talk about and, I actually meant to preface this in our intro, but I hope you got your adult diaper on for this one. Right, Stuart. <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I've watched this one twice, and I think more so than any of the other long matches of the year, it didn't feel like a match that was going long. It just felt like a match that these two guys were both having their best day on the same day. Yes. Because the way it ends is something that, like instead of going for a pin after hitting two of these Sasaki style clotheslines, Nakajima just goes for another one because yeah. you just get the vibe that's like I could hit this guy with a car yeah. and I'm not gonna pin him. Like it was just that's so aggressive. The great whole time. way of putting it. And yeah, it was just two guys that were like peaking on the exact same day. Like they weren't staying down, and it was awesome. And again, you get the handshake before it's all business, but. 
once you get to it, they literally want to murder each other, but then they, you know, handshake app. It's like, it's all business. Um, but yeah, I have just some notes from kind of the back half of the match. So uh, here's one. Nakajima and Keno are unleashing the Kraken was a great one. Um, so I kind of, there's just moments of the match. Um, like he had the P does the P Keno does the PFS twice gets a kick out, which is his move. And then yeah. you start getting some head kick, like some vicious head kicks in this match by, by both guys. Nakajima hits his vertical spike finisher kick out at 40 minutes. There's gasps from the crowd. And then we get our adult diaper moment where Keno has Nakajima up on the top rope going for the avalanche dragon suplex. And as he's setting him up, we have our boy Stuart Fulton go, good thing I wore my adult diaper for this one, Mark. And then immediately Mark's like, he's going to do it. (laughs) Like just kind of the dichotomy of like a joke. (laughs) And then like, no, this is going to happen. Uh, just incredible. Um, and I have Nakajima nearly KOs Keno at 45 minutes, big head kick by Keno near fall. Uh, then the diamond bombs start coming. Uh, Keno almost chokes out Nakajima at the 50 minute mark. Remember he's fading. He's fade. Like that. I remember watching it the first time, like, you know, yes, we assume this is going to be a draw, but there were moments where I'm like, holy shit, is this actually going to happen? And that was one of them was when Nakajima was getting choked out and it took him a little while to like respond when the ref was like kind of hitting him. Um, We get a a comparison to Fry Takayama, which you showed me in Atlanta (laughs) that this, this match is becoming the Fry Takayama of, and I love how in the beginning they refer to it as combat sports. And like, that really is how this is treated, you know, like, yes, it's a wrestling match, but it feels like a fight. Um, and then we have the huge slap exchanges. Again, we're past 50 minutes here and these guys have been trying to kill each other. And yet they're still on their feet, slapping each other as hard as humanly possible. Um, it's just crazy. Um <laughs> got a lot more here like we could we could go on i didn't even realize how many notes i took <laughs> i was just in my bed half drunk last night just typing a bunch of shit out uh but what i will say here is mark pickering's line after the match i think is just perfect he said these two have gone the distance to it have you ever seen anything like that absolutely astonishing effort from both men there and they left a part of themselves in Niyogi, that's for sure I mean, what else can you say? I mean, it was just, uh, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Um, Plus a special shout out to Goshi Ozaki coming out at the end to challenge Nakajima. So, which will be, you know, I was happy about that. Two days. I can't believe we're going to see that match, which I had in my top 10 of last year. I think it may have been right outside yours. Um, It was close, whatever it was. Whatever it was. But Nakajima and Keno, I mean, they definitely won the year for me down the stretch. I mean, obviously, like Nakajima was fucking great all year. Um, But man, the last few months, just just outstanding stuff. Holy shit. But hey, we've got more great stuff to get through here real quick. We'd already talked about the Shingo Zack match from Power Struggle. But let's talk um, some full gear. Because obviously that was an incredible night capped off not only by hip watch, but with Hangman completing his two year journey to win the AEW World Championship. Um, You know, this was one the match itself 
you know, neither of us thought it was a five-star match. I think Dave Meltzer went five and a half, but he's off his fucking rocker these days. I had it at four, four and three quarters. You had it at four and a half, but it ended up at number 10 for me again, just because of the moment, because of hit watch, because of all of it. I bawled my eyes out at the, you know, it's just like, we've, we've gotten so attached to hangman and you before me, for sure. Like you were definitely more into him in new Japan. And I think that 2018 G one run is really what kind of opened my eyes, like the Okada match. And then, Really, honestly, the Cracker Barrel Classic at All In, as I'm wearing my All In shirt, um, seeing him and Joey Janela was awesome. But anyway, just the moment was outstanding. Um, absolutely fucking loved it. We'll never forget it. Uh, Punk Kingston was a tremendous 11-minute war from that night. I mean, definitely thought it went longer than that. MJF Darby, the opener, um, just probably the each of the two guys best singles matches maybe um not for me but close enough like it was the crowd loved it it was it was really good they did a lot of cool stuff i yeah i was pretty especially like by the end like i i was pretty locked in for that and mjf did beat him with a side headlock takeover as he said he would after hitting him with the dynamite diamond ring uh somewhere in the high 30s for me Again, it was a four and a half for me, but I have it ranked above some four seven fives. Absolutely loved it. And I know you didn't catch this match, but Jurassic Express and Christian against the Super Click was just a beautiful brawl all over the place. Um, high spots, just a ton of fun. Um, anything from any of those that you would like to add? Um, I, don't, I think that's the one thing. Is like I know I didn't have uh, the Hangman Kenny match as high as you did, but it's much more that all these other wrestlers just put on such ama- amazing matches that, yeah. you know, like it, it was an awesome year that one of the defining moments still isn't that high. Like I, You're right. I caught a lot of stuff this year that I really liked and yep, you know, got to give them credit too. Yeah. And we'll, like I said, we're not going to read our entire lists. I'll get it out on Twitter and what have you. We'll go through some of our top shit, but you're right. Like it was just tough because there's so much amazing shit. Um, and speaking of amazing shit, and we mentioned him very briefly earlier, but we get into the DDT Grand Prix here in November, and we really got our eyes open to one Yuji Okabayashi, who was coming from, I think it's BJW, like Big Japan Wrestling. I know they do a lot of deathmatch stuff, not entirely, but like that's his home promotion. Um, he came to DDT to be a part of this tournament. I had literally never heard this guy's name. I don't think you had either. Um, And like, you know, now that we had the subscription to Wrestle Universe, I'm like, you know what? I'll check out some of this DDT stuff. Like, obviously, we love Takeshita and Akiyama. And Endo's a guy we'd seen a few times. Higuchi, I got to see against Akiyama earlier. So it's like I was intrigued enough to check some shit out and then start seeing the ratings on Cage Match come in. It's like, who's this Yuji Okabayashi guy? And if he he just reminds me of Golem from Pokemon, the evolved form of Graveler. He's just a fucking bowling ball of a brute. He's bald. He's stiff as hell. He's going to beat the shit out of you. He's going to take chops and ah, and yell. A lot of yelling. A lot of yelling. A lot of yelling. Uh, So fucking stiff. But his match against uh, Kazusada Higuchi, um, we both had in our top 20s. Um, want to mention also two 30-minute draws he had, one with Kanosuke Takeshita 
and one with uh, that one with DDT legend Harashima. Uh, both of those were great, but nothing on the level, at least yet, of Okabayashi and Higuchi. And that's another one that you and I watched together in Atlanta. And boy, oh boy, is it stiff. Yeah, I I loved it. I was blown away by this guy. And again, like like we said at the beginning, like, you know, we never heard of this guy until what, last month. And yeah. the guy has two of our top 20. Like this guy <laughs> just comes out of nowhere and he like you don't need to know anything what he's saying or anything. Like you just he has that presence and he can go and yep. you're just drawn in for the journey. You had it at 19, I had it at 21, so close enough and more to come um in December. So only one more match in November, and then we'll finish this out. And that is Hiromu Takahashi against El Desperado. Another 30-minute draw. I would say 2021 was the year of the draw. No doubt. Like I can never remember as many like matches that we loved and that we'd spend so much time talking about that were draws. I mean, here's three 30-minuters right here and an hour all in November. We've got another hour in December with Hangman and Danielson. Um you know, I'm all not Japan. Yeah, all Sorry. Japan. Yeah. And I'm not someone who like typically previously would love a draw, but man, some of these were just done so fucking well and like make sense within the story. Uh, but yeah, 2021, year of the draw. Uh thoughts on Hiromu Desperado. We I read a great article on voicesofwrestling.com that kind of talked about, I guess this was their fifth match now, kind of their series and just how it progressed and you know, just made me really appreciate this match that much more and can't wait for the Tokyo Dome match. And as much as we love Hiromu, I hope Desperado wins. I mean, I think it's just another one of those. It's a, it's a really cool rivalry. Like two guys that have really good chemistry together. I will say, I think I've, as someone that doesn't mind the draw, I think, again, it's something that, you know, it's all about timing which I guess pun intended there, but uh, I think, well, the one other thing on that before we move forward is I think it's interesting to note that it's what the third year in a row that there hasn't been a draw on the G1. Yeah. And normally it seemed like for, it was a six or seven year run that it was at least one, at least one. And it usually was Okada yep. against somebody. So I think I read too, that this was the first draw in the best of super juniors. Maybe read, maybe it was within a certain time frame because that feels hard to believe. But I, at least since we started watching four years ago, I can't remember one. Um, the one guess I'd have that it might be true is that remember how the matches for best of super juniors used to be shorter, yeah, even as recently as like three years ago. And then you look back at like the Kenny Omega ones from 10 years ago, and all those matches seem to be sub 15, yeah. Yep. Well, hey, buddy, let's get into December and then maybe talk about our lists a little bit and wrap this baby up because we have been fucking trucking uh, over two hours already, which isn't a surprise. I mean, again, like I said, we could literally talk about this all day because we do. Um, This is stuff that you and I pretty much every day talk about this shit in some degree. You know, hey, this match is coming up or hey, did you see that match? Or, oh, boy, what about the cage match rating of that one? I love it, and this has been awesome, and let's finish this bad boy up, and we will do so with a one-hour draw that we just talked about. Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Danielson in his first defense of the AEW world title. 
we had this, uh, we were doing our live stream on YouTube, having some technical difficulties. So I kind of missed a lot of the first chunk of the match. And it's just one of those that watching live, I'll never forget all that aside, just like seeing it keep going. And we're into commercial three and then commercial four. It's like, holy fuck, they are doing this. And again, not something I expected, maybe not even exactly what I wanted. Uh, but I, and now that it's happened, I think it makes a lot more sense because now you can kind of play it's into the hangman character. Like he just, overcame everything to win the title but yet now he can't win but he didn't lose but that still plants that seed of doubt that he's always had and he's still kind of the underdog here which i love um but yeah i think i ended up going five on it i had it ranked at like 15 or 16 you know i have it ranked below some four seven fivers but i i stuck with the five just because it is so fucking special and i love both these guys so much and the heel tent, like Danielson as a heel was just so good here. Hangman's comeback in the last 10 minutes was so good. Um, I can't wait for the rematch. I really, the more I think about it, the more I think Danielson might win, um, which I would be fine with, but I don't know. Uh, what do you think of the match, though? I, mean, I, I like how they built this in the way, because <clears throat> it was something I think if it had happened without the Dark Order build, it would have come off as, oh, they're doing a one-off build to get Hangman the easy W, which yeah. I was cool with. But I I think they found a way to be creative. Even when they passed the 50, 55-minute marks, as much as, like, there was that, like, they're probably going to draw at this point. Like, deep, I was like, no way. Like, there's – Yeah. Because like, you just think that – I I know we've talked way back, like, probably, like, when AEW started, how just the way – like, through watching WWE, that like, American wrestling fans are kind of conditioned to expect certain things. Mm-hmm. And this was very anti WWE and pretty much everything like match structure, mm-hmm. certainly doing an hour draw on, on TV. TV. Yeah. Like just something that I think that, you know, regardless of the quality, what you think of one show or the other, like this was definitely them taking a gamble. Like, Hey, this is what we're about. Yes. And I think it was AEW really sh- showing, Hey, this is who we are. Yeah, not just and it just isn't. It went beyond the match itself. Like, surely showing like a wrestling philosophy through it. I dig it, and like obviously a former WWE guy who never got the chance to do that in WWE, but who probably had a million hour draws in Ring of Honor and other indies coming up. You know, obviously that stuff's more common on the indies, and then you have Hangman, who is the bastion of AEW homegrown. You know, the guy that everyone loves. So. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, let's just get through a few others here. Um, uh, Hiromu and Robbie Eagles having an awesome uh, battle to determine who would go to the finals against Yo and the best of the Super Juniors. So I'm going to mention Hiromu and Yo here as well. So let's just talk about these real quick. Hiromu Eagles was just, I didn't know that it was for the block final because I wasn't paying attention very closely to the tournament and I was watching in Japanese commentary. So I had no idea the stakes of the match even, um, (laughs) but was just kind of blown away. I mean, they had a match earlier in the year where Eagles defended his junior title against Hiromu and it just felt a little slower to me. Like, I think I had it at four stars and there was still some good shit but this is what I wanted to see. It was high impact. There were some strikes. There was some submission work. 
Um, and Hiromu finally overcame him and got the W. And then in the final, a uh, interesting one here, because I had it on kind of, it was tra- trajectory, like four and three quarters, five stars. And then there was the interruption by show of the House of Torture. And uh, initially I'm like, let's get into that, but we don't need to get into that. Um, it pissed me off. It kind of ruined the match to some degree, but they got it back on track. It ended up going like 37, 38 minutes. But uh, we got to see a side of Yo that I'd never seen before. And I know off air, you've talked a lot about how you didn't love Yo as a part of Rapongi 3K, but you've liked him a lot more as a singles wrestler. Um, and I, again, I'd never seen that intensity from him. It was funny. Hiromu's strikes were so much greater than Yo's. You know, he was fucking laying them in and Yo's doing his best, but he was taking them and he looked tough in this one. Um, If not for show kind of coming and fucking everyone up and the match stalling out, like I said, it was close to a five star for me. Um, I think it ended up somewhere in the, you know, high forties, low fifties for me somewhere in there. But uh, yeah, your thoughts on both of those are, just generally how the best of super juniors finished. I mean, I think it was just something that really kind of cemented yo as someone worthwhile going forward. Cause I know when he came back from injury, it was more like, I'm just happy this guy can keep wrestling. Not I'm really invested in seeing this character win and move forward. Mm-hmm. But like, as like the summer went on, like <clears throat> in the match in August, when uh show turned on yo against, uh, Kanemaru and Desperado. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know, again, it's one of those that I was really locked in and it was a really emotional match. Uh, just show leaving his boy out to try. And so I, I think Yo definitely needed this. And like we mentioned about other guys, you know, when he got his moment, he stepped up. So just, you know, one game, like we said, a match of a young guy taking that chance and running with it. Hell yeah. Three more matches here and then we'll wrap her up. Um, want to give a little love to Ring of Honor and their final show, final battle, uh, with the Briscoes defeating OGK, who's Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. Um, you know, the Briscoes kind of the heart and soul of Ring of Honor, they never left. Um, I know OGK was kind of in the kingdom, was their faction, was kind of a big part of things too. And, you know, these teams, they just left it all out there. You know, it was an absolute war. You know, it was emotional final night. Uh, The Briscoes are a team, you know, that I certainly knew about, but got into a lot more this year from talking to Tom and Chad and Diesel, who are all big fans, you know, watching a lot of their old stuff. And Mike Bennett had a match earlier this year with Jonathan Gresham, pure rules that like really impressed me. And when he was in WWE, like the guy just never really got a chance to do anything. Um, so yeah, very cool match here. I know you didn't see it, but wanted to at least mention it. I think I had it at 73 or something. And then two DDT matches here to, to close it out. Um, the final of the Grand Prix, uh, Konosuke Takeshita against Yuki Yuino, or however you pronounce it, baby Ibushi, we'll call him because he looks so much like him, wrestles like him. Um, want to see more of him. I just stole your line from earlier. And then... <laughs> Takeshita as the champion wins the tournament. And when that happens, you get to pick your opponent. And who does he pick? Our boy, Yuji Oka Bayashi. In what ended up, god damn, I think you had it at like eight and I had it at 11 on, and it was on Boxing Day, December 26th, just a few days ago, uh, late end of the year entry. And uh, 
Holy shit. I mean, we've talked, we've talked about a lot of wars here and uh, it did start a little slower, but man, oh man, when they got kicking, like some of the big elbow strike, like this definitely had a nineties, all Japan feel to it. And uh, Takeshita outlasts Okabayashi to retain the title, but Ooh, I, uh, I'm excited to rewatch this one because obviously it just happened and I uh, haven't had a chance, but uh, take it away, brother. There's just a lot of energy in this one. Like you said, Okabayashi's a big yeller, big uh, <laughs> shot. <laughs> it, it, it was awesome. I, I'm, I think what might have been the halfway point, like there are probably like three or four points in this match. I kept thinking, because I know you texted me saying you were going to watch it, but you were working. And I was like, I, I held off like four times, like, Dude, you have to watch this match as soon as you can. Like, I, I think that's basically what you said. Like, just be sure yeah. to check this out when you get home because you're gonna like it. So I think that's the one thing for both of us is like when we do catch something that is that good, like how do I make sure he gets the clue? Like, hey, like, yeah, don't skip this, but also like don't come off too like like full of shit as being like, wow, like I'm just overhyping this match. Like, no, this mm-hmm. this is must see. Like, you can't pass on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. I instant five when I finished it, and I remember I think it dropped like on cage match, it was like a nine four at the time. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can run with that. Yeah, it's sick. Um, and I at least want to shout out to Keshja. I meant to say this earlier, but when we interviewed Danny Limelight earlier this year, he'd said his favorite match, I think, ever in his career was against Takeshita on AEW Dark. They had like a seven, eight minute match. I don't know if you ever ended up watching it, but it was I, awesome. I did, yeah. Yeah, like Takeshita's obviously like twice Limelight size, uh, but they had a great match. Like, and I, you've talked off air, like some matches you've seen from Takeshita in previous years like the guy's a fucking unit but you know was coming off a little soft you know to some degree but he certainly did not in either of these matches the Okabayashi or the Yuki Ueno like Ueno obviously is a lot smaller than him and he played that underdog perfectly but Takeshita fucking dominated him I mean obviously it got close but like I think that's what you wanted to see from him it really both these matches like he looked like a fucking badass I mean, yeah, I think the, for comparison, the guy looks like Kobashi, but just a little more chiseled. Yeah. And like there was there was another match of him with like Goshiozaki, and she's like, You've got the size and strength advantage on this. And like, why like why is he letting this guy push him around? Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, he's an so, absolute unit. Um, I think we could say like for other promotions that we'd just gotten into, like DDT Takeshta, he's the fucking guy. Obviously, yeah. Noah, it's Nakajima. Impact, it's Josh Alexander. So just want to, like, give these guys some more love that, you know, we made. Obviously, Nakajima and Takeshita we talked a lot about, but just guys who've really carried their promotions this year, I'd say, is what they did. And then, I, you know, I'd be remiss before we kind of just talk about our list real quick as we're nearing the two-and-a-half-hour mark here to mention your 10-star match which just happened not too long ago, the end-of-year party rules match between Toriyano and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, um, in which for the KOPW 2021, which is like every match has kind of got a gimmick, and the gimmick on this one is a drinking competition, <laughs> legitimately, during the match, and they pulled it off amazingly. Like, it was very entertaining. Uh, basic, I guess the intervals was at two minutes that they would wrestle – 
And then they'd go and they had tables set up with like whiskey bottles because Connemara's gimmick is he always comes out with a whiskey bottle, spits it in people's faces. And then they'd have to do a shot. And then they've got like 20 seconds to get back in the ring from there. Wrestle for two minutes, shot, wrestle for two minutes, shot. I don't know if it was two or three. Again, I watched it in Japanese, so I wasn't sure. Uh, But I didn't know what was going on at first because they're just like wrestling (laughs) and the tables are outside. And then it started to make sense. And like, I was very fucking entertained by this. And obviously they really are shooting liquor. And, you know, you had the moment where (laughs) Kanemaru started filling his shot glass to the brim. And Yano's filling it like halfway. So there's the challenge. And then like Connemara drinks it fast. You could tell Yano's struggling a little more. And then like Connemara like grabs his hand so he can't take the shot because he's got to get in in 20 seconds. Like it was awesome. It was well done. I've never seen anything like it. And I just wanted to give it some love because you put it as a 10 star on our spreadsheet. And I I couldn't (laughs) recommend this match more to anyone because again, it's just so different, but it worked so well. I mean, I, in trying to be serious about this, all I can say is I think it's probably my favorite comedy match I've ever seen. Like this was, yeah, or it, it was a goofy gimmick, and I think that you know these guys were clever about it. Like it, you know, ten star, whatever you want to call it. It was just, I I had an awesome time watching this match. Yeah, I was laughing really hard. And like yes. Again, just finding ways to be creative and do more with less. And these guys, these guys killed it. The only other comedy match that's like up there, and I don't think it's better than this, is Toriano against Colt Cabana from the New Japan Cup a few years ago, where like that was actually a really good and compelling wrestling match. And they did a lot of comedy stuff with it. And uh, yeah, absolutely great stuff. Well, hey. This has been amazing. Again, I've been looking so forward to this. Um, and again, rewatched fucking 40 matches in the last <laughs> month um, and had such a blast kind of figuring out where to rank them, how to rank them. And, you know, even beyond that, just doing this with you all year and being diligent about it together for the first time. And you mentioned earlier, if we keep it going, yeah, we're going to keep it going like <laughs> this. You know, I've said on the show that, and you know, like I haven't had the best year personally, professionally, what have you, but like wrestling and the podcast and you and Bo and Tom and everyone that we've met, like it has been just a space for me where I can just kind of forget about everything. And like, this has just been so much fun doing this with you Um, and can't wait to see how 2022 kicks off because we've got so many big shows and big matches um coming up so it's been a hell of a journey uh but let's just quickly mention you know some of our rankings i guess because we were kind of keeping them uh, a little hidden at least for uh, specifics but uh probably didn't surprise you once you started hearing me talk about it more but i stuck with uh nakajima keno as my number one match this year the 60 minute draw from noah the best um again i've watched it three times now and we we talked we've talked enough about it but just have never ever seen anything like that for that period of time the intensity they still had me bought in with five minutes to go with one minute to go that someone might win the match even though we knew it was going to be a draw so that was my number one number two lucha bros versus young bucks the bow element really put that over the edge for me just again just watching that that night was just so much fun uh, three, Kota Ibushi, Jay White, which actually moved up a spot after I watched it. I bumped it over number four, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, which, as we also said, 
in a vacuum is probably the best match of this year. Um, and probably the one I would rank the highest on like an all time list. But again, when you're thinking of what I liked better and favorites and, you know, I think the stakes of the other three or just how much I was bought into Lucha Bros Young Bucks with Bo, like that set it apart for me. And like the Abushi, you know, Jay, like just rewatching that. And this was the third time I'd seen it. It's just like, yeah, that was something fucking special and just so bought into Abushi and just rock bottom for Jay. But uh, I want to say that these top four are what I would call scale breakers. I know we don't typically go beyond five stars, you and I, but these four are beyond five stars for me if we did that. So in the margin between the four is so razor, excuse me, razor thin, as I'd mentioned. And I toyed like in my mind over the past few days, I think I had all of them at number one at some point, you know, so that's how close they are. Um, I'll round out my top 10 and then I'll kind of let you take it away. But I had at five Ilya Dragunov and Walter, at six, Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson, which may we didn't talk about this, may be one of the, if not the best television match ever. That's a conversation for a different day. Number seven, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Shingo Takagi, new beginning. Uh, number eight, well, this is our Shingo run. Number eight, Shingo Takagi, yes. Jeff Cobb. Number nine, Shingo Takagi, Tomohiro Ishii. And number 10, as I mentioned earlier, Hangman Kenny. Um, I think, yeah, Shingo had four of my top 10 spots. He's on the list 12 times. I think he's in the top 25, like eight times. Holy shit. What a year he had. I mean, front loaded. He definitely did a lot more on the front half of the year. Like his G1 was still really good, but wasn't the story. Um, my God, what a year he had top three wrestlers. I would go Shingo Danielson. Nakajima <clears throat> with frankly Zach Saber Jr. probably the next one knocking on the door. He had such an incredible year. Um, but yeah, go go right ahead. I mean, again, I, I went uh number one. If you're what I went uh Ibushi J. Again, mm-hmm. I thought that b- biggest and boldest story on the biggest night of the year that just everything worked out best for that. Yep. Two Osprey Shingo, three Nakajima Keno. For Shuri Utami Hayashishita. There you go. Uh, five was the Bucks Lucha Bros cage match. Six again. Here's my Shingo run. Yeah. Shingo Cobb. <laughs> then seven Shingo Tanahashi. Eight Takeshita Okabayashi from the uh, from Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. Nine Abushi Okan. Ten Walter Ilya. And again, I had like. Six Shingos in the top 16, yeah. 12, 12 <laughs> Shingos in the top 75. Like, yeah. Insane. I, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I had a lot of like Osprey kind of Osprey and Zach kind of came in in the teens. Like there was a zone where like, it felt like every match for me was either Osprey Shingo or Zach. Uh, and a lot of those against each other, you know, um, yeah, I had Kenny and Phoenix at 18. Like that was definitely, I, you know, had higher than you. Like probably, yeah. I mean, definitely a top five AEW match for me of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we've gone long enough. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll throw one more thing yeah, in there. Please go ahead. Get some final thoughts in here. I mean, I, I think compared to your, I think as far as like who turned in the best performances, I think as far as the three guys that like I watched them and I wanted them to win their matches and I was most invested in their success would be 
First place, my boy Hiroki Goto. <laughs> Second place, angry, uh, angry neighbor Eddie Kingston. Yep. And third's got to be Hangman Page. So I think that's a great list right there. Kingston, like I said, you know, babyface run this year. Yeah, he was pretty easy to get behind, no doubt. Um, yeah, man, what a year. Thank you again, like I said, for doing this and for keeping track of all this shit with me. And again, can't wait to start 2022 and start a fresh one. And we'll have to figure out how or where we put the next, the Shuri Hayashi Shita match because it didn't get in time for our rankings here. So do we include it in 2022? You know, kind of how the Oscars or the Grammys do that type (laughs) of stuff. Maybe we will. I'm excited to see it. Obviously the whole show looked amazing. Uh, but can't wait for the show on the first with uh, Noah and Go and Nakajima. Hell, I may watch some WWE Day One on the first as well. And then beyond that, we got Wrestle Kingdom next week. I'm sure we'll be dialing the fuck in. But uh, hey, what a year it's been. Uh, AEW is fucking awesome. Holy shit, I can't believe that company is already where it's at at this point. And you and I both being at All In and, you know, being so key, you know, we were, we were marks from that moment if we weren't already. So let's hope new Japan can get its booking a little bit more back on track. I mean, I'm not going to complain too much about it. And Kashingo's been champ for so long. Like that's not something I saw coming, but hopefully less house of torture bullshit, but I don't think that's going anywhere soon, but, uh, Hey, this is great. Uh, (laughs) thanks for having me. And uh, I got to say I hope you tell Greg that I I like this better than when I won the Greg Goldman Cup this oh, year. Oh so. shit! Yeah, forgot the word. Know that uh, you won't stand a chance of beating me this year or 2022 for it. So. I forgot to mention that in the intro. The 2021 Greg Goldman Cup Award winner. What is the Greg Goldman Cup? We don't know. You'll have to find out. But uh, yeah, thanks again, and uh, hope everyone enjoys this. If you made it to the end of this monstrosity, and just would love, I love giving out match recommendations. So please feel free to reach out to us via Twitter or any way because I love talking about this shit and doing it. And thank you again, Azar. You're the man. I love you, and we'll see you all soon. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.